previously on the Project Umbrella podcast. Siege mode. Oh, siege and, um, oh, what's the other one? No Mercy? No Mercy, yeah. They're all starting to sound like WWF pay-per-views, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Great guy, Vincent. Genius. <laughs> and it's goodbye from me, Ark. Vincent, it's your baba. Stop doing those terrible podcasts and just come <laughs> home. The strange thing is, if you look at him, he actually looks younger in the 70s than he does now. Well, he should be. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, he is younger in the 70s. So, of course, he's going to look younger. I think that's called ageing. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Project Umbrella podcast, celebrating over a year of top quality biohazard debate and a year of trying to stop Mr. Spencer with his child porn. I'm Nick, better known as Neptune, and joining me today is the Batman. Hi. Newsbot. Hello. George Trevor. 1.5 lives. Woo! <laughs> Stars Tyrant. 1.5 lives. Oh, hey. <laughs> Mr. Spencer. Ciao, poor lit. Wait, 1.5 <laughs> lives. Yay. That's what I'm about to say. Hello. All right, dudes. And our very special guest for this evening. It's M. Greg. Well known and popular Resident Evil fan. With over 700 posts on the Project Umbrella forums. Contributor to the Biohazard community. And fan of the Legacy of Cain series. Big supporter of DC Douglas. From New Jersey, it's M. Greg. 1.5 lives. And the girls of Jersey, they don't have to punk us in the car. Jersey's my home. Yeah, so as you can see, 1.5 does live. Coming up on today's show, we'll be looking at all the latest news. And there's, as you can appreciate, quite a lot of news that's come out in the last few weeks or so. And we've got two sub-discussions this week. We'll be looking at whether or not Biohazard requires a reboot, following comments from Kawata-san. And a second sub-discussion regarding the Prelude to the Fall manga. If you think back to the release of Umbrella Chronicles, we had that Biohazard comic that came out in Japan. And then the main discussion of this evening will be uh, talking about Resident Evil umbrella chronicles and then we'll be finishing off with neptune and newsy's biohazard quiz so without further ado let's crack on with the news The first bit of news is the big news of the release of Resident Evil 1.5 to the public. When did this happen? Did you miss it, George? Oh, I must have missed that. <laughs> I imagine, though, there must have been a universal mood of appreciation, surely. <laughs> <laughs> well, the long-awaited game basically being released on uh, on PlayStation emulators 
hours of work and you know the fact that whole websites were dedicated purely to this long lost game and how great it was and blah 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 so are you are you telling me that a team of unselfish individuals without any financial gain for themselves released this to the public is that what you're saying they did they did what fucking <laughs> selfish bastard <laughs> Actually, no, no, that, that's that's a really good idea. Yes, yes, we have. Indeed, there's been uh, workings behind the scenes. I don't know how they managed to get hold of the beaters, but there's been workings behind the scenes to make this game available. You can go to Project Umbrella. You can go to The Horror is Alive. You can download a demo version, if you like, of 1.5, and you can play it on your PC. If you go to The Horror is Alive, is it quite easy to find the subject of 1.5? Will I be able to find it in the forum? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's well covered, George. I think okay, I'll, I'll go and have a look. Uh, sarcasm. Who's played it? Who's downloaded it? Um, and what, what did everyone think? <laughs> it's interesting, and it's interesting that uh, in that it's an unfinished game with bugs and all. But at no point do I ever wish it replaces Resident Evil Two. You can see how it's it is an inferior product. It's interesting because there's you know there's always been the calls. Oh my god, this this the way they've done this the RPD here is better than how it turned out. Blah blah blah. All joking aside, how would you describe the most straightforward method? No, I mean not for myself, but perhaps for our listeners that aren't so experienced in emulators. How would you describe the most straightforward method of, of playing this? I downloaded it. Downloaded the ISO file as they call or bin file. Yeah. And, and uh, used a image burner put it on a disc and thankfully my playstation one was back in the days when modding was still quite legal so it still sat there and i was able to play it through that oh wow wow so you actually played 1.5 on, on a ps1 on a, amazing oh that's quite good oh, i like that i like that i've got time for that uh, i can't get it to work on my emulator i put it on the forums but i just have issues it just will not will not load the PSXE emulator the famous one batman what did you think uh what he said <laughs> <laughs> Is this said right. with bated breath? No, it's interesting. You know, I applaud this mysterious team for the work they're doing, but that's it for me. I've played it. I thought it was all right. But again, I think the original Resident Evil 2 is so much better. The police station is so much more interested in Resident Evil 2. It, this modern sort of blue looking police station in 1.5 just doesn't particularly interest me at all. I appreciate people want it. And now that they've got it, I hope they're happy. But for me, it's meh. Yeah, and hopefully bit... people will shut the fuck up about it and we can carry on with what we usually do before. I thought it was very selfless and very dedicated for this team to put this together. When I heard about this, it was actually pretty late for me to hear about it. I was just like, wow. And um, I haven't played it, I haven't downloaded it or anything, but um, I read about it and like uh, the background. And I've seen some videos, some footage of um, like uh, what it looked like. And I thought that was pretty amazing that people would actually um, be looking to do that. And maybe when the not-bugged version is out, there will be more discussion about it. But for now, I think it's a nice thought. I think we've got to congratulate the people that actually did this, as George said in his introduction. Hours and months, years almost, in, in the making. And I think it's uh, a brilliant, brilliant uh, addition to the Biohazard community and you know now gives the option for people to play it. I, I wholly appreciate the work they've done to get it out. And it's something that I've always wanted to tick off my list to be able to say I've tried it and you know and it's it's been great to play um it's just the hysteria that surrounds it within communities the people that actually believe that the release the demo release has been sabotaged to be a, a poor representation of of the product is is just ridiculous so you know full props to the team and I don't want anyone who's working on it to think I'm really really nagging them it's the hysteria that's surrounding it I have a problem with that's all 
Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the hysteria is kind of built up over the years, hasn't it? And you know, it's become it's, legendary, it's, hasn't it? Sort of. Well, I think the affection, the the demand for this has really just come from, you know, the intrigue is what you know a, a, a game that was in full development that more than halfway through was it seventy eighty percent that they canned it you know with that being the kind of the story behind the the main release you know the resident evil 2 the you know the store of the series there was always going to be you know that intrigue and that fascination for it anyway to me it felt a little bit like when, when my son goes on about halo far too much and i tell him that the 2d platform 8-bit games from the 80s were far better and then i show him them on youtube and i realize actually they weren't quite as good as i fondly remembered you know had, there was a little bit of that about it that you know would kind of built up this thing into something you know maybe just quite wasn't well it's rose tinted glasses isn't it i mean i had the misfortune of playing duck hunt fairly recently which was arguably (laughs) one of the greatest games ever and yet you play it again and i I wish i hadn't put it that way why did you play duck hunt uh i went to a car boot sale and uh some guy was selling loads of old retro games and he had a whole box nez with the gun and zapper and everything for sale and i didn't believe him that it'd work so we set it up and played a bit of Duck Hunt. <laughs> and then I said, no, nah, I don't want to. <laughs> so, uh, Why would you even consider buying a copy of Duck Hunt? Like, what party, what would motivate you? But it's Duck Hunt. I didn't even know you played Duck Hunt. Oh, I was, I was just about, I'm just about old enough to have played it with the Super Mario Brothers because it came on the same cartridge. Be careful the way you're saying that. Don't say it too quickly, John. I don't think you're much of a Duck Hunt fan. <laughs> you don't strike me as a duck hunt fan more of like resident evil <laughs> yes right a pokemon uh... anyway there's been other news uh, has there there has an, uh, well, uh, yes not related to 1.5 the predator onslaught and survivor modes for biohazard 6 are now available on the playstation 3 they were originally xbox exclusive but they're only timed xbox exclusives so if you want to play more unexciting modes of resident evil 6 then you can <laughs> Other news, downloadable content has been announced for uh, the Resident Evil Revelations Unveiled Edition. We've got some new weapons that you can um, purchase. We'll be looking at uh, Jill's Samurai Edge and a government model for Parker and an FBC Glock 17 for Jessica. That concludes the news. Okay, uh, moving on. Been discussing whether or not Biohazard requires a reboot. This has been long in in the rumor, but more and more we find ourselves thinking whether or not this is worthwhile. I know, I know. I just realised the same. Forty five came to mind. I must have been the only person who thought of that. We've had comments from Koata as to whether or not a Biohazard reboot should be made. He's been making comments as to what he thinks the Biohazard community want from Resident Evil Seven and or a, a, a refresh of the series. I think his comments along the lines of they just just want Jill and Chris in a mansion or something like that. I think they just should release a, an earlier version of Resident Evil 2. <laughs> I think characters should be removed from a series. Yeah, I do. <laughs> dangerous comments, dangerous comments. I think we, we discussed last time that what we all really want is an HD version of Remake for a start. That'll be nice. But this is, that's the thing, you know, this, this word reboot, and it's all a bit vague. I mean, what, you know, what does that actually mean? I came to the series full on when Remake was released. So I kind of was aware that this was a huge step forward. Obviously, it was an incarnation of a previous game, but 
you know, completely built up, you know, next on a next generation console, next generation graphics. So, you know, what, what, what are we looking for this time around? You know, if it's going to be on another console, the next generation, then, yeah, the graphic is going to look a bit shinier, but you're not going to have that significant increase that you had between the generation that was, you know, PlayStation 1 and Nintendo 64 to when you then got GameCube and PS2. I don't think there's not going to be that forward jump. You know, these next generation consoles, PS4 particularly, you know, was all about sharing and networking and, and mm. basically turning a fucking game experience into facebook you know i mean even myself i'm not really clear in my mind exactly what i would want from a reboot do we want a completely new set of characters a completely new is, is it going to even presumably it's going to deal with a biological outbreak but be interested what, what you guys think in terms of are we just going to literally a, a complete clean canvas well not for me they can reboot it with new characters if they like as long as it exists within the same storyline and you occasionally get appearances a continuation of things that they've established erasing the slate and starting again is negating 15 years worth of progression and Mm. that's just pointless you know reboot the gameplay the same way 4 was from 3 by all means you know and I'd be quite happy if they did that but to just erase all the storyline we've been invested in you know all the translation work that you guys have done would be for naught if they decided to so basically the whole basis that you know why we don't like having a reboot or anything like that is because it would put us out of a job it would yeah. make us obsolete and we can't have that happen. i would like a gameplay reboot resident evil 4 was a gameplay reboot just have another one of them you can have new characters by all means but you know the same way dead aim introduced new characters the same universe but a new story i don't see why they can't just do that again would anyone be interested in some sort of prequel again so maybe going back to, you know, the days of when Marcus and Spencer and Ashford were first, you know, starting up Umbrella and the power struggle between those three. The thing is, there wouldn't be any actual game to that. At the time, there was no POWs yeah. or anything, so <clears throat> kind of negates the entire point of the franchise. Just make a game where you play as Spencer that's sort of like you're basically managing a company that plays like, like SimCity or something, like, or <laughs> Phoebe Hospital. Oh no, a bar has an outbreak. With micro-purchases. <laughs> It was like Theme Hospital or Theme Park, like, a, you know, Theme Company or Theme Biochemical Company or something. And you know how, like, in Theme Hospital, you had those, like, emergencies that come in, like, you know, Big head five syndrome. people. Yeah, 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 like, bloaty head syndrome. You had, like, five people coming in, or you had epidemics. Those would be your disasters, like, in SimCity in this game. Like, you know, there's been a biohazard outbreak, you know, and you've got to find a way to sort of deal with it, the fallout of it, and how much money you've got to throw around to cover people up, and newspapers, you know, halt the presses and all that sort of stuff. There's a lot of gameplay depth in that because you will be playing... It's micromanagement. I was going to say, and... it sounds like one of those football manager games. <laughs> yeah, like football manager, you know, like Umbrella Manager 2013 or something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see that doing really well in America, yeah. <laughs> I can see the guy who used to be in charge of BP doing a great job at that game. <laughs> I wouldn't mind seeing a Resident Evil game done in the style of The Walking Dead. Oh, they're kind of point and clicky type. Mm, be awesome. But my idea is good, isn't it, Sean? <laughs> Please umbrella tell me it's a good idea. Yeah, umbrella. Yeah, I can't wait to see what the um what the microtransactions would buy more umbrella points. I mean, I'm surprised it's not discussed more. Some sort of more of an open world. I mean, if you can imagine. I mean, I don't think anyone else here really plays Skyrim. I'm I'm a bit of a Skyrim fan, but I play Skyrim, George. 
Oh, dude, Sean, sorry. Yeah, I do. Oh, I thought I thought I was the only sad bastard here. Oh, cool, another one. Well, you know that. So, Sean, so you've got that. You know that open world. I think would work perfectly. You know, literally isolated, stranded in a city, trying to get away, perhaps from Raccoon City to a different type of game. But you know that that's why I was so disappointed with Operation Raccoon City because if they were going to do that, I think that that would work perfectly. You could, you know, you still have puzzles, items sporadically placed, and still have the action, but just you know, a much more open world environment. I wouldn't mind again game that was like styled like Grand Theft Auto, like a mix of Grand Theft Auto, and I don't know if any of you have played Uncharted or Infamous or any of those PS3 exclusives, but um, it was an evil where you can freely run around an environment or a city or whatever, go into whatever building you want, climb up any area that you want, and yeah. monsters are freely, you can do the missions in any order that you want, like non-linear, I would prefer it if it were less linear in like future games if they were to do a reboot then totally make it them all the same way like that because then that would basically tell people oh it's different but i don't want to reboot honestly so grand theft auto raccoon city yes except without gang zombies that would be immense to be able to explore it yeah like a borderlands style game yeah absolutely yeah well capcom if you're listening right i suppose that can conclude our little mini discussion on the reboot i'm hoping we'll never come back to it again because Koata would have been hanged by the Japanese government for making such hideous comments. That's a little harsh. That's a little. That's, that's, a, that's a little harsh. Yes. Now what will happen is, you know, Kawata will go to the guy in charge of Capcom, the CEO, and you know he explains, you know, says, "Oh, look, I failed us and all this other stuff." And the CEO just sort of slides a sword across the table to him. He's like, "You know what you need to do." <laughs> like the end of the end of the Hunger Games. This time last year, Kawata actually said the sh- the series should go more and more into an action direction. Oh. So he got his wish. He there, said so. that exactly this time last year. And, and second of all, I don't know who it was that was saying it a couple of podcasts ago, and they were saying how after Ori Six, we are where could they go from here? Because you know they do like a, a you know a citywide outbreak now, a worldwide outbreak, and you know how can they sort of go on from that other than like you know an extinction level event? Uh, uh, I got a better space. idea. In space, exactly. Yeah. Well, they, Take that, it they, they had the that. They had that. Dino Crisis Three all over again. Oh, exactly. There, oh yeah. There's a game like that, isn't there? It's called Dead Space. Oh, in the same universe. Moving on. You've been watching too much Red Dwarf, John. Our next discussion, we're going to briefly talk about the prelude to the full manga. If everyone remembers correctly, this was a... I think it was, it was two sit comics release, wasn't it? Um, before Umbrella Chronicles came out in Japan. And it detailed the story of Anna and Chris and Jill before they came to the Umbrella Cargo Terminal, or whatever it was called. Um, chemical Plant, sorry. Chemical Plant in, in, in Russia. And, the, and Wesker was there as well, trying to track them down. And we did have the first appearance of the Hunter Delta. So that was quite nice. But yes, I don't want to uh, bring us up to date with the storyline of that, because that's a very vague outline of what happened. But um, anyone has a bit more detail about it to tell our listeners in case they haven't read it? Which is quite as difficult manga to pick up isn't it presumably there are no contradictions or anything specifically that would render it non-canon i don't know what paul's got to say about that yeah there are a few things I, me- I remember when it came out at first we were all quite i think this is going to be canon mode because it you know obviously it was a direct tie into a main game of some description albeit just a chapter but then i think paul you unearthed <coughs> the fact that it wasn't really written by capcom wasn't it yeah it was written by another a manga writer and it wasn't capcom had basically nothing to do with it they just had it licensed and published so it kind of fell in the same category as the fire and ice comics and yeah but although this is significantly better that might not mean it's not canon i mean capcom could have given them a list it, of things. it does contradict a few things as well in the manga chris and jill learn about the umbrella plant in the village just making a connection but 
in archives raids revealed that Wesker leaked information on it to them intentionally. So ah. because he negates that the entire basis of the entire manga. So doesn't he just leak information that Umbrella are uh, doing something in Russia? No, if he leaks about he leaks precise information about the base to the Russian government, then the government passes it on to Chris and Jill. So do don't you mean the, the second archives book? Sorry, Paul. Did you mean archives three? Oh, archives two. Sorry. Oh. No, no, I just that's just me wishing it was an archives three. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you knew something we didn't know. It's a very otherwise well-written story, though, and it's a pretty good read. It's a lot better than A Harbour Desire, I found. Isn't there, like, secret lifts and stuff, if I remember? There's more hangers, isn't there, in, in that village where all the hunters are? Yeah, it says... It adds a really nice story thing about Umbrella spreading all of its developmental BOWs and viral antibodies and whatnot around the world in secret underground facilities and whatnot. That, of course, ties in quite nicely with Wesker's extra report. That was, yeah, that, that uh, too. Yeah. I think the Wesker's report actually mentions the village as well, but different light sort of. So is that the only contradiction then, just about the leaked information? Is that the only thing that's holding it uh, back? Only off the top of my head, I can't okay. remember the rest. Well, take your word for it, Newsbook. Although there's another one in five. Chris hasn't seen Wesker since Rockford Island. Ah. Yeah, that's the main other one, yeah. Oh yes, because he never sees him in Umbrella's End. He just watches him go. But then, of course, he's, yeah. yeah. But he like he's like two feet across from him in the room. It's in the same room in oh. Prelude to the Fall. That's, 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 and that's, he tries to shoot him with a grenade launcher as well. You think you you'd think you remember that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, no, that renders it obsolete, unfortunately. Apart from those, it's really good. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I said it's the only picture of the Hunter Delta, which I, which is on Project Umbrella, I think. So there we go. Yeah, they just reuse the normal Hunter part. So whilst we're talking about comics, I know it's not really to do with Umbrella Chronicles, but there's been some news about Mahara Desire being released in Europe, and some revelations about Carla Radames. Radames, whatever name. It's being released, still being released everywhere except English. Yeah. And and not simultaneously because I think Vito was saying he's still waiting for the Spanish edition of Tome 2. I picked up the French edition of Tome 2 recently and Tome 3 is out quite soon. So it's not even universal releases across across Europe. I, I, can anyone think of an icon? It absolutely beats me why it wasn't released in English. Presumably, I mean, we've got Capcom. Isn't Capcom Europe's main office in London? You know, there's there's certainly the market. I can't believe the market for Biohazard Resident Evil is any greater in Spain or France than it is in England. Maybe Project Umbrella's demoralised the English translators. <laughs> 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 yeah, they're too shit scared, yeah. <laughs> There's no point in us doing it. It'll be ravaged. <laughs> They've just completely completely dropped the ball with the manga, I think. Yeah. It's I only think. now starting to get interesting, like even remotely. Up until now, it's been just a really boring, boring read. Yeah, that was... Nothing, nothing, nothing substantial yeah. has really happened yet. That's exactly what I found. I was translating it, and I, I think I said to you, it, it just felt like a chore. It was just boring. So, I think, I think we can conclude... <laughs> On that note... Well, I think we can conclude that the uh, manga needs to improve. We've had, um, and we won't even talk about Fire and Ice. We won't talk about the Resident Evil 5 manga, which well, that was taking the piss, quite frankly. Ones that I thought were any good were the early Wildstorm ones that effectively just mirrored exactly the events from the Mansion incident. The Code Veronica ones. Oh, those as well, actually. Those were, those were. I really like those. They went yeah, a little bit over the top with the kung fu, you know, karate kicking. Uh, hunters but they were very good but no before that the wild storm collection one i like that and there's also that little promo marvel comic as well that, that was released uh, i think with the sega saturn edition maybe also or with resident evil one the original playstation but those early ones are good far and ice doesn't make any sense right we shall move on to our main discussion of this evening it's resident evil the umbrella chronicles umbrella stock 
plummeted with government inquiries into their involvement in the Raccoon City incident. Before long, they were able to redirect responsibility for the incident. Part of the blame was cleverly shifted to the American government. Umbrella had strong ties and deep pockets. Thus, they were able to drag out the legal proceedings. Over time, it appeared that all evidence of Umbrella's involvement had vanished with the missile touchdown. How convenient for them. Though fortune has a way of turning when you least expect it. It was the year 2003. Umbrella had a base of operations in Russia where they were working on a new B.O.W. They were preparing to arm the unstable regions of the world with their bioweaponry. Chris and Jill had joined a regional biohazard containment unit and had heard rumors about this nightmarish facility. They recklessly plunged in to shut it down. They have no idea of the awesome and terrible power that awaits them with the new B.O.W., Talos. Everybody, prepare for landing. Stay on guard. We can't afford any mistakes. I really hope this new bioweapon is just a rumor. We'll just take out whatever they throw at us. So an interesting game, uh, first released on Nintendo Wii, now available on PlayStation 3 as part of a digital download. The first proper on-the-rails first-person shoot-em-up. Basically, we're looking at it's Resident Evil Survivor 5, kind of, but it's... Hmm. Well, let, let's hear what everyone thinks of it as, as an overall impression. We'll start with M, Greg. What, what, was your, what was your view of the game? That's actually how I got introduced to the series, believe it or not, and I, I thought that it was pretty fun. I have some fond memories of playing that co-op with people, and um, like I went back to the previous games afterwards, um, of course, but um, I thought that it was a good, new, fresh idea, like with Resident Evil 4, with the different gameplay style, for them to give this a try, and a lot of people actually reacted positively to it. I think that it was um, something different, and um, the graphics definitely could have been done better. I think it... I felt kind of rushed at parts, but um, the overall story I thought was pretty good. Interesting. But it's interesting that you, that's quite late to the series then, really, isn't it, for you? Uh, Stars Tyrant, what did you think, briefly? I remember being very excited when it was coming out, actually. It was the first time in something like seven years we'd seen Chris and Jill back in the series. Right. So it was, you know, it was, it was quite a long time to revisit these characters. And um, I actually quite liked the sort of abridged storytelling of Zero and Remake will overlook three. The new scenarios I quite enjoyed. Uh, really, really liked Rebecca and Richard. And I came away from the experience sort of quite pleased with it, actually. I remember putting a lot of time into it, unlocking all the, the files, because the files were quite interesting. Yep. Building some nice little tidbits. Yeah, I quite enjoyed it as a game. And I think it, looking back now, is a much better game than uh, Dark Side Chronicles. <laughs> George, what do you think? 
Yeah, it was an interesting point Sean makes about the time, the, the amount of time and effort he put into it, because that got me thinking, you know, I put a lot of time into the game, as you say, collecting the files. It, it was really, it felt fun to, to try and get as many of the iconic original items as, as you could. I really liked the presentation of the whole game. Matt's right, there were certain parts that did feel a little rushed, but to to revisit the mansion and Resident Evil Zero particularly on, all, well, this is not really next generation graphics, is it? But after all that time in, in a more polished way was, was really exciting. And um, yeah, I had a lot of enthusiasm for this game. It, it covered areas of Resident Evil that, that were that were heights for me that I that piqued my interest. So it, it was great to go back to it. And obviously in a, in a different way, I'm not a particular fan of action oriented games over the more thoughtful ones, but they obviously, Capcom really got something right with Umbrella Chronicles because I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and it, that's certainly not my first preference of game and play style okay. um yeah yeah mr spencer i've always been a long-standing fan of light gun shooters you like you know you like, like house of the dead or um, no <laughs> house of the dead <laughs> ghost squad time crisis you know i love those uh, time crisis in particular is, is a lot of fun because it feels like you're playing a michael bay movie and you're the main character. Uh, but Umbrella Chronicles was good because I liked because it, it was basically just took what I loved about Time Crisis, you know, on rail shooter. Plus, it was in a series that I liked, so it was a win-win situation. It was a lot of fun. Newsbot. I really hated it when it first oh. came out. I I just couldn't really find any redeeming factors in it. But in my opinion, has changed quite a lot since then. Yeah. I quite enjoy it now. So was there something particularly glaring that you initially put you off? Then? It just felt really cheap me there were no real times where it looked as if they actually put effort in they basically took assets from the older games and just stuck them in and then put a first person perspective and a fixed fixed pathway and just made you run through it and just threw random enemies at you it's just it's then the voice acting was terrible i hated the voice acting it's pro- it was probably the worst the series has ever had since the original i think everything for umbrella Zombies. I I know they released the the intro. Yeah. They released the they released the intro with Wesker's voice, and the first time I heard it, I knew I was gonna hit the game. (laughs) Batman, what did you think? Yeah, it was all right. I remember being quite excited for it um, when we saw the trailers, and it was promised to reveal the true downfall of Umbrella. The explanation behind Wesker's resurrection, the potential first meeting of Chris and Wesker since Code Veronica, as well as, you know, stuff like aesthetic things like being able to see the mansion in 3D and updated graphics. Um, But it turned out to just be like by the numbers first person shooter. I hate the way you shoot the zombies and they just don't react to getting shot. Yeah, there's a lot of that. And you can't blow, you know, body parts off them or anything. I mean, obviously, the game was designed for the new generation of fans who joined the series around the time of like Resident Evil 4 and didn't know anything about Raccoon City. But there was also enough new elements in there that catered to like you know the veteran fan as well. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. It was certainly tailored for Resident Evil 4 fans, wasn't it? I, I remember being excited about it. I remember watching all the vid. Someone was uploading all the videos onto YouTube, and um, I was literally had him on like favourites. I was waiting for the new Dark Legacy Chapter Two or something. I was like, oh, I need to watch. it, need to know what happens. That kind of thing. And the I, I think I think Batman's right. You know, it was fun, kind of quick walkthrough, but then. There's lots of stuff for the old school fans, you know, with all the new additions. And there's a lot of new uh, storylines there. 
And we're going to talk at length, I think, a bit about what exactly is canon from the new stuff. What can we take with a pinch of salt? What, what can we say, yeah, that happened? Because I know I've had debates um, about beginnings, especially, and what bits aren't and what bits are. And uh, staff member Chimera, me and Chimera, devised our own little fanfic about how it all kind of connects up. I was, I'm quite clued up on that, I think, if I can remember. <laughs> I was just going to say, it feels weird whenever you play Resident Evil Zero now. And you're sort of walking around the training facility with uh, Rebecca and Billy. And then you think to yourself, well, story-wise, in a few hours' time, Wesker's going to be running around here on his own. And it just doesn't seem to fit. The plans to reuse the management training facility were scrapped by Marcus's unfortunate outburst. Not only that, but the incident appeared to spread the virus to the area surrounding the mansion, causing a biohazard outbreak. It is time to abandon the sinking ship that is Umbrella. Somehow, I don't, don't think they felt particularly shoehorned in, but that was a highlight for me that I think Sean mentioned, the fact that you could play particularly the mansion instant, you know, going around with Rebecca and Richard. Beginnings was definitely shoehorned in because that was just purely done so Wesker could have a Resident Evil Zero scenario. There's no cohesive way he could be in Resident Evil Zero. Well, we'll, 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 we've got, um, we're going to come to each of the new bits because there's lots to talk about there, but we've already touched on the kind of gameplay mechanics as well and the fact that there's a first-person shoot-em-up. It's nice that we're doing this podcast straight after the Survivor one because it's they're both first-person shoot-em-ups, but they're totally different in, the, in their execution. And I think what we kind of discovered in the Survivor podcast was that Although flawed, the idea was quite novel. There were parts of you could see what was what they were trying to do, but through budgetary reasons they couldn't quite do it. But with Umbrella Chronicles, it's you know it's, it's interesting that they just did decide to go on the rails and not down the survivor route of kind of first person. And they, I suppose they ditched that with Dead Aim, I suppose, didn't they? The fact that they did it on the Wii made sense with the fact that Wii's got obviously the old point and click thingy. And then of course it came with the Wii Zapper. It's the first game to be released with the Wii Zapper. At least main game. I think Link's Crossbow Training was first, but this was the first proper game, and mm. that was tripe. Mm. That, I don't know what it was. You kind of held it like a shotgun, didn't you? And then... it was a very strange bit of plastic, that thing. Yeah. But then did they, I think Sony did the, made the same mistake when they brought out the PlayStation Move. They brought out a uh, sharpshooter attachment where you kind of like slotted the Move controller in, much like the Wii Zapper, and it was just like, this is terrible. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's because you had to use. Because you had some degree of movement, because it wasn't a pure first-person shoot-em-up, though, was it? Because the fact that you could use the uh, analog stick to look round on the spot, you know, because you needed it to be able to maybe find that hidden file which was behind a picture or something. You know, lots of walls and stuff were destructible and all hidden, but because you could move the D-pad, so the analog stick, it meant that you had to have it as part of this Wii Zapper package. And I think perhaps if it was just, you know, you only had could use the, um, the, the the Wii remote and then put that into a kind of gun vehicle thing, then that might have made it a bit more accessible and more fun on the, you, you know, using a kind of attachment. And it's a shame they didn't follow it with Dark Side Chronicles, because I, I, I can't imagine Umbrella Chronicles got particularly good reviews for using the Zapper. But there we go. That was my, that was my, my thoughts on that. What did everyone think of the kind of graphics? Touch I mean, they, they can be criticised, but I mean, I knew the Wii quite well, and they certainly stand up there. I, I can't think of, of many other games on the Wii that look substantially better. You, I mean, you can compare it, many of the scenes in in Remake to these, and they almost look sharper and, and actually look better, particularly if you're playing it as I was playing um, the Wii on the, um, is it the Composite Lead? Is that the name for it? 
yeah the component he'd i put that in and actually if anything it kind of accentuates mm. the kind of the grainy effect i like the color scheme you know everything was quite it wasn't bright it was the only thing really i liked about the resident evil 3 scenarios it was quite you know sort of browns and grays uh not not in a dull way i, I thought you know what worked very well kind of for the atmosphere yeah no i th- I, th- I mean they were, they were about the best that you you could really get on the wii at the time it looks great on the ps3 i think if, if there's anyone tried the PS3 version, it actually upscales very, very well, and the character models look superb. Yeah, I played it on the PS3 for the first time yesterday, and I was impressed by how well it looked. It does look really good for a, a game that's six years old. I, I, I didn't think there was a noticeable improvement over GameCube. No, there wasn't. And, and that's upsetting just from a kind of technological improvement perspective isn't it i mean i'm i'm pretty sure they just literally reused all the textures from the gamecube versions over to the wii mm. so all every character model has the same texture resolution and as the gamecube versions that, that would yeah i mean that, that that's disappointing and slightly lazy the well, stuff sourced only... from the gamecube is better than the stuff sourced from outbreak i don't think the ps2 yeah. stuff yeah. scaled terribly well it looks a bit bland when uh, you talk about lazy i mean it's a st- different product but you get the uh, archives versions of Resident Evil Remake and Resident Evil Zero for the Wii, and you have to actually reset your Wii settings to 4.3 because you can't even play them in um, in widescreen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah, I know. Sorry, <laughs> I know it's a different game, but that is just still really annoys me. <laughs> so, um, Sean, you said obviously you played the HD ports. Um, substantially better. I think the graphics look look very good. I'd say that fairly confidently. I was actually uh, incredibly surprised because I was thinking it was just going to be a very, very rushed release. And don't get me wrong, they've done no work to it really, but I think the assets you get, the textures are actually as they were, whereas they look significantly downscaled on the Wii. Uh, The character models, like I say, they just look absolutely superb. And the game doesn't play too badly on the controller either. Uh, The move, they reckon, is a write-off playing it. (laughs) <laughs> it has to recalibrate every time you waggle it. M. Greg, what about you? I mean, obviously, if this is your first game uh, to it, you had nothing really to compare it to, but then obviously you perhaps went back and saw uh, maybe the GameCube versions of Resident Evil 014. I was able to compare it a little bit to the uh, Wii version, the Wii ports of um, Remake and Zero. Oh. And uh, I felt like um, it was quite a shift. Like, um, when you look at those games, how they were, how they played out with the controls originally, and then you look at this game, and um, it's the same setting, but a whole different perspective. I thought it was kind of a stretch, kind of, like, out there for, like, gameplay-wise, but um, it was pretty straightforward, pretty simple. They could have definitely done better, but I personally think that they downgraded a lot when it came to Darkseid Chronicles. I didn't enjoy that game at all. That's interesting, isn't it? I mean, by all accounts, um, Darkseid Chronicles should be the better game. It really should be, but I don't think that they made a step up at all. In fact, in terms of voice acting, I think that it got worse. And um, gameplay, I thought we were going to start on gameplay. If you play it with a partner, you share ammo and everything. And I just thought, what? That that was just a waste. Dark Side Chronicles was a waste, in my opinion. No, I mean, if, if I remember correctly, our Dark Side Chronicles podcast wasn't particularly um, supportive of the game, apart from perhaps a new few story, story elements. Well, I disagree. I think as a shooter, Dark Side Chronicles is a lot better. But I just think... Umbrella Chronicles is a better package in terms of mm. overall content. Especially for the fans, I think. You, you so got a lot I, more out of it. I would have thought that if it was your first game coming to the series, 
particularly the zero one and three not necessarily um the new the new sections we've got would have played quite slow i mean a lot of what appealed to me early on with umbrella chronicles was obviously the revisit to the famous iconic you know the, the mansion and, and and resident evil zero and, and obviously playing it on a more uh action orientated kind of gameplay but really until you actually come across the hunters in the new to the what's it called the the new section um, umbrella's end Umbrella's End, yeah, and, and and you've got Wave and Wave of Hunters, which I think is the first time in the series you've kind of got got that really intense gameplay. Once you get past initial, wow, I'm back in the mansion, and oh, look, there's there, and there's that. I, I think it actually plays, I would have thought it plays quite slow, and, and not not particularly just taken as a light gun game, uh, as an on-the-rails game, not not a particularly exciting or, or masterful game. I think that in, sense of, in terms of that, I think it actually comes into its own far more uh, with Umbrella's End. I take John's point about West in, in, in the Resident Evil Zero sections but for me the highlight really was kind of going back and playing as um, Rebecca through the mansion mm. and, and, and seeing it from that perspective but other than that uh, and once the initial excitement of, of revisiting a much loved place had subsided a lot of it really was quite slow and, and uh, you know I think that's really emphasising the Resident Evil 3 sections. One of the things I noticed from playing it over the last couple of days is it's difficult to sort of lose yourself in it and let the game generate any kind of atmosphere because you can't really enjoy the environments because you're too busy shooting tables and windows and lights trying to get collectibles. If you actually play it again and don't shoot anything and just slowly move through the environments and appreciate you know the graphics and the situations it puts you into it's a lot better i was gonna talk about the audio because this is the first time was the introduction of dc douglas as uh, albert wesker we shall meet again before the conclusion of this drama then you will learn of the history i will write for this world if I remember correctly, his uh, voice didn't go down particularly well amongst the fans. Zombies. It... Zombies. <laughs> That's a good one, yeah. Tyrants. <laughs> Crash. I was, I was trying to get the zombies right today. Who was, was that Sean? That was, that was spot on. It metamorphosized <laughs> those into living death. <laughs> <laughs> I felt the cold, long Before fingers the of death. Incident. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think what we, I think we all decided that it was possibly DC Douglas trying to do an impression of Richard War, which is why it comes across as so shite. Because yeah. he, That's exactly he more, what it sounds yeah. like. Yeah, he more than I, redeems himself by Resident Evil Five with a sterling performance. But yeah. I will use one pawn to eliminate the other. <laughs> the only thing that can defeat power. Is more power. Is more power. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he admitted that, didn't he? He said Capcom asked him to do a cross between Peter Jessup and Richard War. Oh, really? Oh, okay. I didn't know that. So. Yeah, I mean, he actually went from possibly, well, easily the worst Wesker performance to arguably the best in mm. five. But then, um, Wesker here. <laughs> so, to be <laughs> fair, even he is better than the quite legendary voice actor who does burking at the beginning of Beginnings. He is, that is something to behold, that is. I, I can't remember him very well, he's but... Like, uh, he's Frank West. The virus has got out. We can't it's hide this anymore. He's he's walking backwards and forwards in his chair. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. 
You're just going to walk away? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I believe that was actually the same guy who voiced Birkin for the two seconds we heard him in Operation Raccoon City. The virus is out. We can't hide this anymore. It appears Umbrella is finished. We're just going to walk away? Our research isn't complete. We can make a more powerful virus. Do what you like. The T-Virus is near completion and only needs test data. That is why STARS is in place. I will bring them into the mansion. Damn it! I better get rid of this place before there are any more complications. I gotta say, it's not as is bad it? as uh, as Leon's voice actor in Operation Raccoon City, where he goes like the emphasis he puts on the word umbrella is great. It's like you're doing this for umbrella, <laughs> umbrella, umbrella. It just sounds like that, basically. It's like, why are you trying so hard to sound like Chris? I will bring them into the mansion. <laughs> oh. That that was a really good scene in in Zero, but. That's essentially a remake, isn't it? In yeah. Umbrella Chronicles of that same scene, and it's just terrible. Well, it actually has it actually has the Japanese dialogue, and that scene is almost bit by bit straight from Zero. Is so it? that scene's meant to act as a sort of replacement for the one in Zero. Yeah. Ouch. Now this is this is where my fanfic kind of crept in as to whether or not Yo. at the time is, you know we is did... this where Tyler Hamilton walks in? <laughs> <laughs> at the time we didn't obviously have access to all the kind of like the original Japanese scripts and stuff, but it was whether or not that was a reenactment of the zero scene or perhaps a more a continuation as to when they were kind of like talking in zero. Then it kind of you know it ha- the zero scene happens, then that one. And then they kind of have the scene with Wesker and Birkin walking down with the, you know, with the sheets from zero. And, the, you know, I, I, I don't know. There's a, lot, there's a lot of to and fro. And it's to kind of make things, every scene from beginnings fit in with zero. I've always had the, the mentality that if it's something entirely new, canon. If it's a retelling of something non-canon, that's how yeah, I think that the flaw that I did was the fact that because it was beginnings itself was canon per se, everything that appeared when you pressed play on beginnings should be canon, when perhaps that's, that wasn't the correct approach to take. It was, you know, little bits in it. But we'll come back to beginnings, because I, I like to talk about beginnings, because I think it's actually one of my favourite um, little mini storylines in Umbrella Chronicles. Let's talk about Umbrella's End. I'm sure you understand the thrill of battle, and the rush that comes with the feeling of being alive after a good battle. Another Umbrella Psycho. The latest in Umbrella's product line. Codename Talos. A pinnacle of biological weaponry. All controlled by the Red Queen computer. The ultimate weapon. Now, this is the biggie, isn't it? This is the big storyline discussion from Umbrella Chronicles. This Umbrella's is what... end is the biggie. It is the biggie. It's, it's what we've all been waiting for since the end of what? Arguably Resident Evil 2, definitely Resident Evil 3, definitely Code Veronica. You know, let's go get Umbrella, let's go kick their ass. And this this is how what we're defeated, if you like. So, I think there's a lot of pressure riding on it. 
But uh, what did everyone think of Umbrella's End? I really liked it. You thought it was appropriate in the all, you know all the hype. I thought it was, yeah. I quite like the role Chris and Jill play. I quite like the fact that they, they for the first time, they're going all out against an Umbrella facility, taking a squad in, and I, and it still f- fit true to what was established about how Umbrella was taken out in the beginning of four. It, so it was respectful in that sense. And I thought it was masterstroke at the fact that Wesker and Chris and Jill are all involved in this same event, but they never actually meet each other. That was quite a good touch. Yeah, it was very clever how Wesker used Chris and Jill as bait, and it was like his way of getting his revenge over Chris, and it explains perfectly for me why he's less pissed off at Chris in, in later games in the series. For me, I think that was like probably my favorite part of the game, because it didn't just rehash earlier games, it actually brought something new to the table. I mean, then, of course, you got um, the one with Ada, I forget, Death Store, I think. Yep. Um, you got that, but um, like I, I prefer this one uh, over the other scenarios because it gives a whole new perspective, kind of. And um, I personally found the Wesker bits to be quite interesting. I know that a lot of people don't favor DC Douglas. I, to me, I think he was like uh, he did a pretty good job in his role. And that that scenario in particular, I thought that um, that was one of the stronger points in my opinion, with like where like his character and like everything that's been going on over the years with him behind the scenes has come full circle and whatnot. I thought that Umbrella's End just stood out in general. Well, I mean, Wesker's character here kind of followed his usual hunter-collector role that he'd done, but obviously this time switching to the Red Queen. Umbrella's End introduced a lot of, not retcons, so to speak, but additions to previous established storylines, such as the Red Queen. Yeah, but it's just Red Queen in name only. It's nothing similar to the the movie, is it? Well... You say that, and yet you go down to the end of got the funny laser scene, haven't you? Which is uh, a homage to. That's Kawata's fault. He likes doing that. Four as well, anyway. So. Mm. No, no, not not talking about the the film per se, but like you know, adding all this, and instead of Wesker collecting viruses here, he was just obviously collecting all the Red Queen data, the UMFO thirteen backup data. So it kind of, I suppose, it solidified what he'd been doing and getting everything together, and and then getting nice. data. Time to grab the data and get out. Nicely links into um, his using of the Umbrella satellite in 4 as well. And the yeah. command centre thing he's got. Yeah, Yeah, I think it was, it was pretty much just to explain that. Oh really? Yeah, it could have been, yeah. It's a good point. And I like the fact that he alludes to the fact that um, he will meet Spencer one more time before this drama unfolds, or however it is he words it. We'll meet again before this drama is concluded. That's something like that, yeah. It was just <laughs> a nice hint at what was to come. But that was another good thing about this game. It resurrected the sort of Spencer plotline, because up until then he was sort of the forgotten man, and I think it was getting to the point where people were wondering if he was going to be explained at all. Well, that, of course, we also had the funny man, didn't we, being rescued. <laughs> that was a lot of debate, and I still convinced that they intended it to be Spencer, but then James their mind for some reason i mean to have someone who is who sergey rescues i mean he is spencer in all but name really wasn't he i mean we don't know because it's he even says in game wesker just refers to him as an umbrella officer oh no he is i i what what you saying it still could be him wesker's actually referring to sergey on that one sergey's on an umbrella executive as well so so we still don't know who this guy is i mean nope i think the guy was intended to be spencer but then they went and wrote a different thing in his diary in 5 saying that he wasn't even there, kind of, or implying he wasn't even there. I don't know, like, is that cutscene even canon anymore with that guy on the cannula? It's canon and all, it's just that who the guy is doesn't really matter anymore. No, it doesn't, but I agree with M. Greg. I think he was supposed to have been Spencer, but then maybe afterwards when they're doing the files for the game, they change their mind for some 
reason. Perhaps five was probably being in development at that point. Um, His dialogue doesn't really fit Spencer anyway, because he's just saying, uh, "You've just stolen the company's thing. You're an asshole." And that's the same. Even the though, even though I imagine Spencer would order Sergey to do it. Yeah. yeah, I think it shows that they had planned it, but changed their mind for whatever. It doesn't matter really who he was at the end of the day, unless you know. Kind of like yeah. um, Resident Evil Six, you could tell they were planning to kill Chris, but then at the last second they said, "No, we're going to throw Piers in the way." Yes, maybe. I like Piers. What else have everyone thought about Umbrella's End? Um, what else did we had? We had the return of the Crimson Heads for the first time out of the uh, remake area and the remake arena. We had um, manufactured. Or purposeful VX, didn't we? Being used as BAWs and being stored. We had Chimeras back. Basically, it's a re uh, it's a rehash of all the enemies that you'd previously countered in the other scenarios. But it's still nice to have them. I think they missed a the trick with the uh, driver anti biohazard team. I think they could have been a bit more catering towards the fans and maybe had a few more of the old characters as part of that team, like you know, like Carlos and Barry. Even if you didn't see them, you just heard them over the radio. It was kind of like you know a little homage. Eventually became part of the well at least. Jill and Chris became part of the BSAA. What happened to the actual private anti-biohazard unit? I would say they'd be taken in as part of it, wouldn't they? It says in the 5 guidebook that the private unit became one of the foundations for the BSAA. So. Oh, okay. So, That's uh, pretty much where all that starts, they, isn't it? Yeah. They didn't really explain the unit very much, so we've had to rely on like three different descriptions of it from the Archives 2 book, then from the Inside of Darkside Chronicles book, and then again from the Resident Evil 6 guide. That's all the information we have on it. It doesn't really explain anything else. We just know that they're apparently financed but rival pharmaceutical companies of Umbrella, and Chris and Jill are members of it. That's all we really know. I think, really, it's not really meant to be an important group, so to speak, like that sticks out. I think that like it's just supposed to be like showing that like remnants of stars and people that are still continuing what they started to do after Raccoon City, like let's go get Umbrella and let's put a stop to all these terrorists. There were just like a handful of people, random people, not really important, just starting to put together what eventually became the BSA, but not really anything particular. That's why I don't really think, I, like it's had several different names. I'm not sure that they intended it to be specifically named sticking out unit. Well, I suppose the threat at that point was still fairly contained to small outbreaks, but then obviously the threat of bioterrorism became more and more with kind of Wesker selling all the stuff and doing whatnot. And selling so that's, all the stuff. Yeah, which is <laughs> why the uh, BSAA had to uh, be formed in order to counteract all, uh, more of the global threat, whereas at that point it was still quite enclosed, if you like. Okay, so that, that was Umbrella's End. A key component to Umbrella's End was Sergei Vladimir, although I'm reliably told by Newspot that Vladimir is not his surname. Oh, it might be. But... Oh, it might, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know Russian names, so... On PU, it's Sergei, surname unknown, or so I don't know. I'm sure I read that, but... He's a great character. He's one of my favourite characters in the series. Again, yeah. Another, yeah, another character shoehorned into the canon, but I, I think an excellent... He was shoehorned in rather well, though, so... He, yeah. was, he yeah. was. That his, makes up his, for it. His appearance could have been disastrous, <laughs> but the fact that they managed to... Every scene he appears in is just brilliantly never shown in the core games, so there's no reason why it could have never happened. We've never seen the events from Umbrella's point of view before until this game, so that's kind of why it works. I personally think he was Umbrella Chronicles' answer to Krauser, like a suck-up who has a thing for knives, and um, I thought he was a good character and all, but um, he was kind of like shoehorned in, 
And um, I don't even think Capcom even remembers who the guy is, honestly. Like, if you ask them, when are we going to see Sergei again, they'll be like, who? Probably. <laughs> Probably. I guess he didn't like his lesson. <laughs> Fine. We have the Talos Retrieval to take care of anyway. Everything for Umbrella. He, he, he was an interesting character. As you said, it could have been a disaster. An ex-Russian military colonel loyal to the company. He's pretty for no... badass, really, to think about it. <laughs> yeah, he actually fits into quite a few plot lines in the series, though. He's the founder of the UBCS due to yep. his military experience. And then he's the leader of the Umbrella Surveillance Unit. The Monitor people. Yep. On top of that, he's also the test subject they used to perfect the T-virus and create tyrants at the same time. How did that fit in? Because obviously before that we had the T-001, T-002, and then we were suddenly, you know, from our perspective, obviously that led on to create... Yeah, you know, what everyone thought was that... What everyone initially thought when the game was released, and what we thought when the game was released, was that the ten clones of Sergei he mentions yep. ended up just becoming ten tyrants in the series. But... The ten clones never became a single tyrant we've seen in the series. They were all used just as test subjects to perfect the T-virus in order to allow it to make more people into tyrants. Oh, okay. So Wesker's, Wesker's Report 2 actually explains that, but I think we all just completely missed it first time around. So you never actually fight a tyrant that is a Sergei clone at any point in the game? No. His clones are all just people that were just ended up being experimented on as tyrants, but then... They just used normal, physically fit people to become them. It was basically just to avoid retconning any of the tyrant backstory from the first Resident Evil. I feel like that was a wasted opportunity with the cloning because um, we haven't really we like they just threw it in with the files along with the character in general, and a lot of people were hoping in six, oh, we're gonna get to see how cloning actually works like in the series with regards to the whole Ada clone. Then it turned out to not be that at all. I felt like they could have actually done a lot more with that instead of just talking about it in like the background of the series. Like They're kind of basically just saying that this guy is branching out into more aspects of the story when he wasn't originally even thought of, kind of like with the family. But it's like, they could have done more with that, I think, with like the whole cloning aspect. We could see more in games with relation to that, with making new BOWs and whatnot, based off of clones of people who are genetically similar i think maybe they were trying to do something like that in five they were trying to bring that back with the wesker children thing but they're they're dancing around they're not really doing anything straightforward and i think that they're just wasting a bunch of good opportunities there to be honest i think whoever told sasaki that he couldn't have ada clones was probably the smartest person on the team (laughs) because cloning is not meant to be a big thing in the series it's mostly just an excuse to have so many monsters around. Doing it with Sergei was basically just a, a way around the fact that they had left a hole in the tyrant creation that they needed to basically fill in. Had they do? They had because they said that uh, in Wesker's report when he talks about the tyrant, it ends on the note that they need more test subjects in order to mm. complete the T-Vars and then between then and the games, it doesn't actually say how they completed the T-Vars with no test subjects to work on. Now you're giving Capcom a lot of credit though. Otherwise, they would need to just basically ignore the fact that Birkin goes out of his way in Zero, for example, to say that the virus is complete, even though Wesker's Report 2, which is written at the same time as Zero, said that basically they hadn't completed it. And there was no mention of how they completed it, when they completed it in between then, until Sergei's introduction. 
because it was the late 80s, isn't it, where, is it, Birkin creates a new variant of the T-virus that's capable of creating a tyrant, but they don't have any test subjects. Yeah, and, and then, then Sergei like, comes along in, yeah. at the end of 91. Well, he, he's yeah. a valuable specimen, Sergei, isn't he? So, so theoretically, if you went to Umbrella Japan or whatever, or Umbrella Germany, would... I know perhaps we were, ex- we were all expecting a, you know, a clone of Sergei to be whatever tyrant, but I- I'd imagine they didn't actually turn him into a tyrant per se. You know, they just had the clone, a human specimen in a cryo tube, and they just experiment, you know, took his blood or did whatever they wanted to do with it. Would that be a fair assessment, or did would they actually turn him into a tyrant? Episode? They probably turned his clones into tyrants, but then it was just in order to make see what made them so special, so that they could adapted to right right other people because even in Neo one the tyrant creation process still killed a few of its test subjects so it's just a way for them to maintain that whole turning people into these seven foot monsters of death was still dangerous to them but it wasn't foolproof the other tyrants um were used with sergey's clones what they would look like like would they all look exactly the same or similar to um, what he looked like at the end of the Umbrellas and of, of uh, Wesker's scenario where he turns into like the giant thing with the thorns and the one arm. Like I wonder if they all had that similar like outlook in their final transformation or if they all had their own unique thing because I, that's going back to what Wesker said in his one file where he talked about differing mutations having to do with the mindset. I would wonder if like um, they would all be like just like another version of that or if they'd all have their own unique transformation. I think they all have their own unique transformation. The only reason we saw the likes of the T-103 looking the same each time was just because the T-103 was cloned to be mass-produced. That's why the Tyrant R in Outbreak File 2 looks significantly different from the T-103, even though it's the same type, sort of. Ah, right. It's a subspecies, wasn't it, if I remember what they classified it as, didn't they? Yeah, and it's the reason Hypnos looks different and the reason Fanatos looks different. Fanatos mm. has two smallish claws on its hands rather than the big ones that the other tyrants usually have. It's just the T-virus, even though they try and make it look as it look like it, it has a similar effect between species, it's meant to mutate randomly, which is why you get monsters like Hilda, who is f- as far removed from human as you can possibly get. And it's why you have the freak mutations and outbreak like the uh giant leech or the suspended liquor an axe man yeah they're all just unique reactions to the virus and tyrants are basically they have the same common traits they gain immense strength and whatnot but they look significantly different and wesker wesker's file i don't really take it very seriously but he just adds that probably it's his musings isn't it it's his you know thought is it you know, it's not. He's a scientist, but he hadn't. He hadn't been doing it for a while. So yeah, he's basically just hypothesizing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's how I've always you know, interpreted. I always think that's the way he's just going. Based oh, on, yeah, just based on his one observation of yeah. Sergey, because I know that file makes an error by using him to say that Marcus mutated, but Marcus was dead. Yeah, he never he was, came yeah. back to life. It was just the Queen Leech in Zero. The I think one of the flaws that was slightly confusing was the fact they didn't show Sergey injecting himself with the T virus before Wesker arrived, because that indicated that he permanently had the T virus in him in an almost a uh, dormant state, and on command he could mutate. I think it was just lousy cutscene direction, really. Yes, and yeah, there's a continuity error there as well within its own game. Yeah, I know that it's actually the part where he speaks to Chris and Jill while Talos is mutating just isn't there when he's because he's yeah. fighting Resker at that exact moment. He's already mutated by then, yeah. 
Oh, yes, of course. Because he Someone tells thinks. Chris and Jill why Talos starts evolving and changing. But by that point, he's already duking it out of Wesker. You got Ivan? Not bad, comrade. So this is it. Yes. She was activated that night at the mansion. I extracted her before Raccoon City became nothing more than a memory. Her and I have a lot in common. She linked with Talos, desiring more information and more data. She wanted to know the truth, no matter how painful that reality may be. That thing is merely a tool. What it wants is something the user determines for it. It's good that we can be honest with each other. That's the sign of a healthy relationship. It's a shame that this friendship has to end. And of course, we think he's injected with a he injects himself with a an advanced strain of the T virus, which possibly caused the you know the different tyrant. And I remember us all joking; it probably had it was T virus and vodka or something like that, <laughs> just because it was the Russian version. But we'll never know. We'll never know. What I propose to do now, um, unless anyone has any other comments, we'll move on. We'll talk about each. Oh, of... I have a comment about you have a comment now. Oh, go on. It's fucking stupid. Okay. He he somehow speaks despite his throat being bloated into this red sack with a foreign in it. It's talking out of his ass. It's becoming and a common trait now, isn't it? But yeah, he he speaks with full intelligence, and his his speech pattern hasn't been affected at all. Like at least with Morpheus, he didn't look as if he'd been mangled from the inside out. He he looked as if he had his vocal cords still in place. Sergey's mutation just doesn't make any sense with how it's Dr. presented. Doctor No, vocal cords. Hey. <laughs> Excellent. Lovely stuff. But then, I mean, they carried on the trend in Dark Side Chronicles, didn't they? When you had a whatever... Yeah, but at least Javier, he still had his human body. Mm. He was just in a bigger monster. Like one of those Russian dolls. Sergei's one just didn't really make any sense at all. No, it didn't. Right, what we're going to do is talk about each of the scenarios briefly. So we're going to talk about the train derailment section, i.e. Resident Evil Zero. Mm. Um, I know we actually haven't had the Resident Evil Zero podcast yet. That's coming up. I will start. What I will say about the train derailment section was the fact that the imagery and the use of Marcus was far better than actually in the game. What the Queen Leech looked like in the game in Brother Chronicles was what it should have been in Zero. It just made far more sense before he mutates into the strange Queen Leech thing. And I think that was Capcom acknowledging that they made a bit of a tit-up with Opera Marcus. But, you know, that was, that was my two cents on it. Yeah, um, I wholly agree, though. Wholly yeah, agree. Apart from that, I don't know, I mean, I, I found much of Zero, the, the mansion section, to be pretty boring anyway. So I didn't really feel that, you know, I, I didn't think that train derailment was hindered as a result of that. The train bit being the actual best bit in Zero, you kind of went through it quite a... A brisk pace. It's fun. You know, the whole game generally is fun, you know. What did everyone else think? I personally prefer train derailment to the mansion sections. Like you said, the mansion was slower, it was boring. I mean, the scenery, the lighting, and um, the whole environment was good, but um, it was generally not as exciting as being on the train. I liked the train part particularly. That was one of my favorites, other than the uh, umbrellas end section with, like, um, this facility. Rebecca's voice is just detestable. <laughs> it is. I don't. I don't know why everyone, apart from the re- every director, voice director, apart from the chap who did the remake, wants Rebecca to sound like a ten-year-old girl. Stars here. Is anybody there? 
and various not sections started the trend of the main main male character having to sound like Chris, in my opinion, when we first see him, it's just like, are you doing a Chris imitation? It didn't sound quite as good as in Zero. Yeah, actually, that's actually Chris's voice. Yeah, that is. Five. That's Roger Craig's. Right, yeah, I, I kind of sort of remember in that. some bit. bits. Can we put a hold on the whole arresting me thing? We have bigger things to worry about right now. His yeah, voice so, changes mid-cutscene at times. But it's like, it's trying to sound like Chris when that's not his character, so probably should have gotten somebody else. The scene after him, he helps Rebecca up from the balcony and pulls her back up. His voice act changes between lines. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and check all that out. It's, it's awful. That's amazing. I thought the bosses in Train Derailment were pretty boring, though, because, I mean, I suppose it's more indicative of the actual, of the source material as opposed to Umbrella Chronicles, but I didn't think the bat fight was particularly fun. Again, Dinger was pretty... All three of them, the whole Train Derailment thing wasn't really fun to play through. I suppose it's the introduction, isn't it? It's the first one you play, so it's not going to be overly challenging, but... Playing it, I played it yesterday for the first time in a few years, and I was surprised by how boring it was. I mean, even the the route you take through the training facility, it's just nonsense. And I will say this, if that finishes, we'll go to the mansion incident. One of the first trailers you ever saw of Umbrella Chronicles, in fact, the very snippet, I think it was in a trailer reel for what's coming up on on Wii, and they had about a 10-second shot, and it was of the first person going into the dining room of the Spencer Mansion, and it showed someone blasting down the door. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. You remember that? And and yet you cannot do this in the game. (laughs) You can do it to some doors, but not all. They made a big deal about doing it to many doors, but yeah, just they didn't materialize. There's a hidden room in, in Hunk's scenario. Yeah, through Blaster now. I know there's one in the, the mansion scenario. It's the yeah, bathroom door. The bathroom, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, I found that one, yeah. You can shoot it open, but I don't think you go inside. You can do, you just, yeah. You, I think you just sort of peer inside, then you just walk out again. I think I think on one scenario you get a prompt and you can go in and there's a first aid spray or something. I think oh, it's yeah. the uh, raccoon destruction one where you're going through the subway. You can, When you're in the employee area, you can actually walk through the employee office if you want to, and there's loads of like extra weapons and stuff in there. So I personally thought that the mansion incident was far more exciting than train derailment. I, I suppose there's more sentiment, isn't it, towards the mansion. It's nice to go back into it, and, you know, they replicated quite a lot of scenes, like, you know, the famous Cerberus scene through the through the window was quite nice in a kind of new a new perspective, so to speak. Um, you get these funny little miniature cutscenes, and you're, you know, what's going to happen? It was electric going through the Spencer Mansion, as though you were actually walking around it. It's just an amazing experience for me. What is this hall? What was that? I'll go check it out. It's dangerous going alone. I'll come with you. Uh, I, did, I mean, it didn't really sit well with me having such, uh, apart from in Umbrella's End, where maybe the context it, it made more sense, but having all in one go, you know, the selection of, of crimson heads and zombies and, you know, bats, it, it, was, it, it just all kind of felt a bit much, you know, just like they were throwing everything at you, you know, just throwing everything into the pot and... I don't know if anyone else found that. I think that's just the nature of the game, isn't it? Just with it being a shooter. I don't pay particularly too much attention to the enemies in this game. In terms no, of... Because obviously, you know, in Nightmare, you're fighting... Richard and Rebecca fight hunters in the mansion before Alpha Team even arrives, so... Yeah. Yeah, you take it a bit... You're starting, they also have... They introduced a new baddie, anyway, into the mansion. You had the giant wasp. 
Uh, I think that appeared in... I think that's actually meant to be in Remake. I know there's a description of it in the Remake guidebook, but I've never seen it in the game. No, I hadn't. I remember after playing, after seeing it in... Because it's in uh, Nightmare, isn't it? The re- giant wasp, it just kind of... Yeah, you, you kind of... Yeah, it's really just... A really weird scene because it just—it's just above you and it's just hovering very yeah. nonchalantly, just past, and nothing gets done or said about it. You can shoot it, but it doesn't have any effect. No, and I remember going, "Oh, I must have missed that in remake." Went and played remake because obviously you know where they are. And they're not there, and you've got the little ones pissing you off, but never the this giant one. So, so I suppose it also in the mansion incident at the end in the labs, you finally you finally start getting all the clues as to Wesker's betrayal, if you like, and his movements. I mean, again, it didn't make a lot of sense how he disappeared in the same room. I don't think it tied in particularly well with Rebirth because he had a kind of scene with him kind of waking up and going, but then. Well, I just I just think you don't see his body on the floor. I think that's all it is. Is it okay? Okay, moving on to Raccoon's destruction. I think the less said about this, the better, really. Um, I suppose, George, this is quite useful for you because this showed you a lot of the Outbreak textures, seeing as you've never really played Outbreak. Oh, really? I wasn't aware of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it, that's where all the scenario comes from. Everything you see in, in Raccoon's oh. destruction is from Outbreak. So all the subway uh, with all, the, you know, under the ground and stuff. Oh, and and, the, and the, the RPD, it's all the Outbreak version um, of the RPD. I uh, didn't know that, okay. You need That's to play good. Outbreak, man. Well, I do, yeah, but there's that small issue of the fucking controls, isn't there? <laughs> I can't get out of Jay's bar, seriously. <laughs> I mean, I, get the the, I, I get up the stairs, but I just... Someone, I need to sit down... Like, you know when you first learn to drive and... Um, you know the special way you have to do the steering wheel. You know, like you have to feed it through rather than what everyone and does to pass their test. Yeah, that's it. The controls I, are the same, George. But no, I need to sit because I had this. Maybe it was a bit dodgy my driving instructor, but he had to put his hands on my hands to show me how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, oh dear, to show me to show me how to do that feed through. So I need I need someone sat here putting their fingers on my fingers on the controller. <laughs> But, but the controls are the same. George, George, just run, run, because the more that you wait, the more it gets difficult. You run out of ammo. Blooming. It seems to be this issue where you move 360 degrees and then you have to kind of stop. And then it doesn't seem to, I don't know, I, I can't seem to be able to move in one direction. I seem to be, you know, constantly moving and, you know. Only if you use the analog. If you use the D-pad, it controls like the old tank controls. That's what I want to get the old tank. So I'll have another go. Have another go. I noticed you said something about the new control system in Resident Evil 4 and 5 on the forums, but they're just the same tank controls as the old games. Well, no, I, when... Yeah, <laughs> I think it was Spike... No, hold on a sec. Spike mentioned tank controls, and I've always kind of picked up on the fact that with Remake, people really didn't like that movement at all. And I presume that's what kind of people were referring to when they criticised the, the movement. But with 4 and 5, it's a lot more fluid. That, I, that's what I found anyway. But that's just because there's no camera angles. Yeah, I think what most people hated about tank controls was that the camera angles sort of start in one, you're moving one direction, then you end up in another one. And then yeah. you have to sort of, you have to manually change your direction. Yeah, depending that's on where the camera's what, yeah. facing. Yeah. It's not really an issue with the controls, it's always been an issue with the camera. But yeah. it doesn't really do that. I mean, up is always forward in those kind of controls. It was games like Devil May Cry which threw it for me, where up is into the screen depending on which way the camera is facing. Yeah, but that's what most people are used to the other way around, sort of. 
No, I see you're right. It's actually, it's a restriction caused by the camera rather than the actual controls being any different or more backwards. No, I, I take that point now. You're right. Because I've just obviously always found, as everyone has done, four and five a lot more fluid. Well, yeah. learn how to do digressed it. Digressed well, anyway. We have digressed well. I mean, when, when we do our outbreak ones, you can, uh, you'll be fully... I'm just wondering whether first. I need to contact the National School for Drive, you know, for drivers. You'll, you'll enjoy outbreak, George, because it's full of puzzles. Yes, it is. Yeah. That, that's for another podcast. That is for another podcast. But yeah, so as I said, the Raccoon's Destruction uses all the textures from Outbreak, so um, you get a bit of a hint from that. And then you also have the kind of nemesis as well in Chapter awesome. 2, yeah, and with his very slow rocket launchers. Also his voice. What was that song, shit, that awful share song? Do you, <laughs> Do you believe in love after love? And they put a voice to one of those machines, <laughs> and that's what it sounds like they've done to Nemesis in this. It's got that kind of almost computer-generated kind of gurgle. He Do does it. auto-tune? Yeah, it sounds, yeah, it sounds like input so. auto-tune. I thought he sounded a bit constipated there. Everything about Raccoon's Destruction is just a car crash from start to finish. So the plot of Resident Evil 3 is now get to the roof of the police station. And get a helicopter. And Carlos is awful. He's, he's hopeless. <laughs> the opening scene to Reckon's Destruction is just horrible. Yes. Jill Jill almost getting molested. And then Carlos somehow hits every single zombie perfectly on full auto. <laughs> oh, is that the thing with between her legs? Yeah. Yeah, I was I remember seeing that someone posting about I think on YouTube Jill being raped and I was a bit concerned about that and <laughs> Yeah, is that the scene you're referring to? Yeah, I think that's unfortunate. I don't. Think she that's... she breaks a zombie's neck somehow, but all she does is move her legs to the side. There's a James it's... Bond character that does that, isn't there? That it's that... another scene lifted right out of the film, isn't it? Yeah. Mil- yeah. Mil- fucking that. Just... <laughs> the absence of Nikolai. It's just, it's just Nick, Nick's suddenly come alive. <laughs> Nikolai was mentioned in like the yeah Nikolai gets mentioned in a few of the files. Just oh yes, cause, yeah, his conversations with Sergey isn't it and Desert Fox and whatnot. What they call him? Dyer. Anyway, we'll move on to more exciting discussions, and we've already touched upon uh, beginnings. We'll start with that one. This is the much fabled Albert Wesker storyline, where you get to finally play as Wesker in a proper kind of canon storyline, as opposed to just a battle game from Code Veronica. Here, you have the rather unique situation of being in a fully operational uh, umbrella lab which isn't infected with zombies or anything remotely like that suddenly being overridden by zombies and spiders and god knows what and then making his way back to the what's it the training facility for no other reason than to get back to raccoon city but going in completely the wrong direction wesker here i will use the ropeway to return to the training facility and depart from there it's my problem with this whole scenario is this one, the others I can accept the fit quite well. Like in uh, the mansion incident, there's a story there for Wesker, isn't there, about how he comes back to life and escapes before it blows up. But in beginnings, it's literally just forced in. As you said, that lab shouldn't be infected. They obviously wanted to put a sub-scenario in there. There's no other way they could have done it unless they'd used Enrico, who isn't in the game at all. But then they had to introduce Sir Guy, so I suppose they had to use Wesker. If you take it in, in story terms, he would go up the turntable to the lab, encounter no enemies, go and switch the power on, come back, encounter no enemies apart from that tyrant, and he doesn't take the tram, he takes the ropeway. The ropeway, yeah. Back to the training facility and then meets Sergei. It it just comes across as incredibly forced and I've got issues with it. I remember having a discussion, I mean, 
I was only purely basing this on the English one, and I think, Paul, you could probably correct me, but I thought there was evidence from the English version that he actually had to go to the training facility to set the bomb up. To set... No, Birkin but yeah. does that. Yeah, but... Yeah, that's another thing. He's got no reason for even going No. And why Sir Guy there? Exactly. You know? There's nothing. I mean, if he wanted to get back to Raccoon City, he could have just easily taken the master elevator, which he was next to. Yeah. And then yeah. got, you know, got the train back. It's like the meeting between Wesker and Sergei is canon, but everything else is placeholder. What about the fight with Proto Tyrant? I have always assumed that was canon. Oh, yeah. I mean, theoretically, that would be the only enemy he would encounter there. Well, even so, having a tyrant running around, a fully operational fully staffed facility is a bit silly yeah yeah it is but that's why that's why i don't think it's the same lad but if you know no i played beginnings this morning and when you play as wesker on top of the turntable you get a good view of the surrounding landscape and it's clearly an industrial zone you can see a fucking massive power station in the background with flashing <laughs> red lights it's not it's not in the middle of the forest it seems a lot closer to the raccoon dam though it does prove, though, doesn't it? The magic elevator is not canon. Well, everywhere. Yeah, because yeah, he could have taken that elevator straight up to where Sergei is. Exactly. That's the only thought I'd save in grace of it, I thought, was that. I know gameplay reasons is an incredibly lazy excuse, but I think it, that is the only explanation for this in the terms of that magic elevator. Yeah, so, so I mean, it's, it's all right. It was, you know, same stuff, same characters. As I said, if you wanted to do a proper... Resident Evil Zero spin-off, then, I mean, what would have been nice, and what I have fanfic theorised, was basically you could have done a storyline as to how Enrico gets from the Zip Bravo helicopter crash and ends up on the Master Elevator. I mean, that that would have been nice. That would have been really good, seeing him actually go through the forest, which we discussed last podcast, and then ending up just outside the industrial yeah. area, and then take the lift down, and then... Yeah, I think they really missed a trick with not having the Enrico section. Well, it's still a plot point, isn't it, as to how Enrico got there. I mean, we can say he you know, went through Raccoon Forest and found it, fine. But then how the hell did he then get back to the mansion? It's a huge plot point still that needs to be answered. I mean, I used to think he found something in that lab. He found, like, a file that said, oh, yeah, there's a mansion not too far away where we do all our main work, and that's where he went there. Yeah. But then there's a cutscene in train derailment as soon as Rebecca and Billy crash the Ecliptic Express, where you get that radio call from Richard saying he's heading to the mansion right now and I'll meet you there. Yeah, Beginnings was all right, but it could have been a bit better with, with Enrico. Uh, moving on to uh, Nightmare. I think this is a nice surprise, actually, because I don't think any of us are really expecting anything extra with Rebecca, aside from what was happening in Zero. So We find out she has ESP or some shit, because she has a dream about something she's going to encounter like an hour later. Ah, it's a bit like Claire Redfield, then. Claire already encountered all that stuff, though. Except the Nemesis. Except, right. except Nemesis. Careful, they'll make a game about that next. And brain suckers as well. Drain demos, demios. She didn't, never encountered them, anyway. I just really didn't like the whole actual nightmare aspect. I thought it was a bit contrived. Mm. They should have just left it at her waking up. But the, I, the rest I, of it's okay. Yeah, I really like this. I think, it, to me, it hints at the game I wanted Zero to be. You know, not Billy, but Richard as your partner. And you yeah. two sort of discovering the mansion. It's you know, and and the bit where Richard gets killed, even though everyone or gets injured, everyone knows it's coming. But the way the sort of blood splashes on Rebecca is quite visceral and quite nasty. And I, I just think it's a really well told bit. Probably my favourite bit of the game, actually. I really like it. There's a artwork picture of Rebecca with the blood splashed on her face and she's crying. I thought that was probably the mm. best picture the game has. But then yeah. I was always of the view that. Most again, most of Nightmare was pretty canon because he gets they get injured in the library, don't they, by the yawn? 
And then I always took the view, I kind of connected the dots, and then after that, kind of Richard started then moving, walked to the attic. After splitting up with Billy, I went to the mansion where Bravo Team was to rendezvous. When I arrived, I found that none of the others were there, and the mansion was unsettlingly quiet. I was exhausted from the events of the previous day, and before I knew it, I had drifted into a nightmare. I just remember that first trailer for Zero, one of the first trailers where it was like, you know, what did happen to the Bravo team? And that was the first time we really get a hint of the game it could have been. It's such a shame. And you see bits of Sergei, don't you, with him retrieving the TO-11 body for Talos. Yeah. Uh, there's another nice scene that doesn't break continuity. What do you guys uh, think about the Ivans? I really like them. They work, I thought they were really good boss fights. I could never get past them in Dark Legacy. You never got past them? I, could, I couldn't do it. I still haven't done it. I think conceptually they're good. They just look daft, don't they? Yeah, the white, the, white, the white coats were a bit too much. I think what added to the whole appeal of the Tynes was it's, it looked like a military weapon, not disco weapon. Uh, a protective coat. <laughs> I like their head-mounted displays, though. I thought more BOWs could use Mini accessories. Chairs. They sort of did it with in Dark Side Chronicles. They gave the Hunter 2s a, a scouter, purely Dragon Ball Z type thing. You can't really make it out most of the time, but you can see when it gives you an up-close view of the Hunter, you can see a green thing just sitting over its eye. I thought those were really good as well. Nice additions. What about Rebirth? What did everyone think of Rebirth? I liked it. The hell out of that part because of the fights with Lisa. The whole explanation of how he got out of there, like, um, before the mansion exploded. I thought that was a pretty good addition. But, like, with Umbrella's End, it actually was something that we wanted to see instead of a rehash. I enjoyed Rebirth thoroughly. He certainly got around a bit in the uh, very short time which the self-destruct system was activated. Yeah, they, they mm. drew the self-destruct bit out, but apart from that, <laughs> it was good. It was, and again, I mean, I, I've always taken it all as being canons, therefore assuming that when Lisa fell down the hole in Remake, she then climbed back up again. Yeah, I think um, her <laughs> being her being pinned underneath the um, chandelier as the mansion explodes is Capcom saying, yeah, she's not coming back. Yeah, I think that was another way for them to clear up a plot hole, because in Remake she just disappears, even though you know she's immortal. Be a good girl and stay dead this time. No, no, I would agree. I, I, again, <coughs> I, I suppose you take it with a pinch of salt. I mean, in, in the timeline, you just go Wesker, reawoke, travelled through the... It's a footnote. It's a dragged out footnote, just... Yeah, no, no. It's, just, it's just a shame that they had to just use a bit of Paul Anderson with the Red Queen. And Sergei was busy. <laughs> but, you know, why Why did they have to call it the Red Queen? Why, 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 why? Wesker <laughs> makes a big deal in Wesker's report, too, that he doesn't know who Lisa is. But in Rebirth, he calls her by name. Lisa. No, I don't think that's probably not in the Japanese script, though. I think it's just something added in the localization. I have problems with Remake, too, though, in the fact that. It takes Lisa around this merry dance around the mansion with like only minutes to go before it blows up. Why didn't he just take the lab up to the courtyard, jump over the fence and run off? 
Yeah. <laughs> he's, a oh, he's got those. He's got those superpowers, but he doesn't use them. And I emerged like the phoenix rising from the flame. <laughs> Did he actually say that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my god! I I was like. <laughs> Wait, that sounds familiar. Did he actually? Oh, God, he did. <laughs> I could feel the cold fingers of death gripping <laughs> on me. Or something like that. That's another one. Time they, 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 virus they, for a test drive. They really... <laughs> <laughs> they really dressed up the dialogue a lot. I mean, in the original script, it's a lot more just not dry, but really to the point. Yeah, in the English version, they just really tried to make it sound as hammy as possible. Okay, we then had Death Store, which was Ada's little scenario. I'm not sure if it, it did what it should have done. Because, what do you mean? Because of what happened with... You know, with, with the fact that she gives the rocket launcher to, to Leon in RE2, I suppose it happens after that. But it could have it could have tied into that, couldn't it not? No, it happens straight after. Could they've shown it or something? Maybe, maybe. I don't think they really need to. I think Death Store's focused on something different, isn't it? That's fundamentally part of Res 2. Whereas this is about Ada and a last minute deal with Wesker. That saves her life, really. Mm. It was interesting how they used the Birkin tissue fragment sample rather than the sample from Sherry's pendant. Yeah, I think it's because they actually wrote the scenario with Wesker's report in mind and in Wesker's report he says Leon threw the sample away that he got from Sherry's pendant. Mm. So Ada couldn't have had it because Leon had thrown it away. That's always been in the series though, isn't it? I mean, I think in one in Archives 1, at least the English version, it says that Hunt encountered Birkin on a number of occasions <laughs> after and then, you know, got a sample off him directly. It just creates a mess, that though, because the scene that's canon in Resident Evil 2 has to be the one where Mr. X throws Ada into the power conduit thing yep. rather than the scene that where she falls and Leon throws a sample away. Judging from how the Chronicles teams treated the original scenarios, I think they actually acknowledge that nothing is really canon. They sort of just go with whatever they feel like. Because in the director's comments in the Inside of Dark Side Chronicles book, uh, Sato mentions that they deliberately added the anti-G bullets to Annette just so they could clarify that Annette wasn't really insane. She was some loving mother. I hated that. Yeah. Oh, God. I really did. I just found more quotes here that Wesker says in Umbrella Chronicles. <laughs> Listen to this one. Like, it starts out well, and then the end is sort of like, oh, that's a bit much, isn't it? It's a bit heavy. Okay, this is it. The virus that Birkin had created brought me back from the brink of annihilation. <laughs> annihilation. <laughs> it's such a, a, a strong word. Really? It was his death. That's not like, annihilation <laughs> to me is like, wow, everything's wiped out. You know, like I say, big nuclear explosion, that's annihilation, not him just being skewered by, you know, a tyrant. The script is bollocks in this game. Yeah. I found the tyrant that killed me was dead. I mean, what, 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 what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh. I see you are still resolved to go down with the ship, Colonel. <laughs> I like that line. That line was good. Chris, um, I hope you two survive long enough for us to have a tear-filled reunion. Chris, it seems our fates are forever intertwined. Shove <laughs> <laughs> umbrella on one disc. This should come in handy. You know, this is just like the fucking Gun Survivor podcast where we're all doing Vincent's mother impression. Now we're doing this. When he, when he meets the two Ivans, he just says, Charmed. Charmed. <laughs> really should have had DC Douglas for this podcast. He, he would have been... done it. Yeah. He would have just been doing his, just all these. Of course, I knew the only reason my life was spared was because I had the G-Virus tissue fragment. 
but I would settle things in time. We were both used to being backstabbed and manipulated. I had a feeling our partnership would last a little while longer. Another bit of Death's Door I just want to talk about was the tyrant at the end. Oh, I don't know where you're going with this. <laughs> uh, this. This was another thing just completely shoehorned in. Yeah. I like it if it's the outbreak one. It, what it is, is the outbreak one. I, and I, I will like not be told it. otherwise. And I know this, this caused a bit of debate between me and Paul, actually, about what it was. I think the, the way it would work would be that... Oh, God, I've got to try and think. Um, <laughs> it's after the outbreak. Guys have fought them, but before Nyx absorbs it. Before, yeah, he kind of... yeah. Because... I think I think it's even after Nyx absorbs it, because we've seen tyrants come back from the apparent dead anyway, before. On the brink of annihilation. <laughs> <laughs> I always assume, because in Outbreak, he literally just... He crawls up the... the um, you fight him on the street, don't you? Yeah. Um, and then he, and then when you get to the top of the rooftop, he kind of crawls up over the top. And then Nick grabs him. And then Nick, and then, yeah, and then Nick grabs him. But I suppose the assumption is that you get there as Ada before the survivors get there. So he jumps up from the street. You fight him as Ada, kill him, and whatnot, and then he falls back down the edge and then crawls up, and then Nick is there. I, I like that though. It's a bit but of a leap, but it's I mean, a, it's a great tie-in. Even it's... if it can't work, it I like it. They actually call it the Outbreak Tyrant in its description in the guidebook. Yeah. There we go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's clearly supposed to be Tyrant. Oh, quite how it fits in, as you know, precisely. Well, it, the thing is, it's the same location around the same time. I don't see why it can't really. Yeah, I like Death Star, and it was a nice touch how uh, we find out how Ada got a grapple gun as well. Yeah. Mm. Yes, yes. Playing the game for the first time, I was horrified that they were going to put Wesker in Raccoon City. I thought they were going to do another Beginnings type thing that showed Wesker running around Raccoon City. That would have yeah. been horrible. I felt like, going back to what you said with the shitty script, I felt like that whole line where she said, if the T-Virus did this, what would happen if the G-Virus got out? I felt like they were trying to imply something, okay. like like foreshadow something, like um, like what they did at the end of, um, of uh, Dark Legacy with Wesker saying he's going to meet Spencer again. I felt like that line <clears throat> was meant to imply something, but it didn't. It's like, why Why would she even say that? I thought that was pretty retarded. Along with the fact that Wesker is once again wearing the turtleneck that he wears several years later. On the- <laughs> what the hell, man? I mean, you got a pretty small wardrobe. But if I remember correctly, I'm sure some forum member will try to work out who the spy was. You know, Ada's contact, because you could work it out through the, the Apple Inn guestbook as to who was staying. I remember someone thought it was Nikolai because he has white hair. Oh, really? No. So Nikolai just got changed into a swanky suit out of his fatigues. I like Death Store. I think as a scenario, it's one of the better ones, actually. And then we moved on to Fourth Survivor, which was basically a faithful remake of the Fourth Survivor from Resident Evil 2, uh, with the addition of uh, some very cool radio comments that he was picking up, wasn't he, through his uh, radio transmitter. And I thought that added quite a lot of uh, scary depth to, to what he was up to. I didn't like one thing, though. It implies that Hunk's helicopter was flying around Raccoon City the whole time since he basically uh, went yeah. out of contact. Because he, he, he calls Nighthawk when he's in the sewers already, apparently. Mm. And then it, you can see it just flying through the city. I thought that was really terrible. That was a bad thing to do. It should have just been that the helicopter came as soon as he, as he contacted. Otherwise, that, that helicopter's been flying on about a week's worth of fuel. <laughs> Which fourth survivor takes precedent, canon-wise? This one does uh, I think this one, although there's no real difference aside from the dialogue. It's... Yeah, they just added a lot more dialogue into this one. 
Don't you get some radio transmissions yeah. from the radio station? You're listening to 777 RC Radio. The is that that's not the same one that's in Operation Raccoon City, is it? Yeah, I, I think, think it is, is, yeah. I like that broadcast because he starts yeah. off like, because I assume it's like a live recording that he's saying it, right? But he starts off so enthusiastic and then sort of peters out. He's like, this is RC777, the lucky station. Uh, this is our last broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> Goblin so, oh. 6 is in it as well. You can imagine the guy, like, sort of, you know, whoever's listening to that going, oh, yeah, some guys, you know, he's pretty upbeat about this. You know, there's still hope, and then this is our last broadcast. Oh, kind of cast the wind out of the sails there, actually. I thought we'd uh, had a bit bit of of hope getting out of here, but uh, I guess not. (laughs) I've noticed that the English audience has always tried to make Hunk seem like this cool, hardened, really strict soldier. In his Japanese epilogue in Free... It says that he fiddles with the G-Virus file while he's talking to the pilot. Yeah, he, he's just like playing with it in the palm of his hand. Mm. I thought that was meant to show that he was a bit just laid back and a bit careless, mm. but highly skilled at the same time. But then Umbrella Chronicles just gives him this really stupid line, this is war, survival is your responsibility. Mm. And it, it, uh, it just seemed really, it added to the corny factor of the whole game, I thought. Because in the Japanese script, he just says something much more trivial, really. And of course, that directly led on to his characterization in, in Orc. So, uh, you know, bad points. Uh, the, the final, I suppose, the key one is, is Dark Legacy, isn't it? The um, the other Wesker scenario. And this, obviously, this is canon by the creatures that you see, and or the at least the frequency of it. Also set in the um, in the chemical lab, which, look at so the chemical plant with all the trains and all the lifts, and God knows what's going on in that place. But I've yet to complete it, so I said I can't get past the bloody Sergei. When they, they, one of, they take on turrets, and they both shoot at you with machine gun turrets, and then they're jumping around like God knows what up that column. Tell you what, Nick, I'll come round your place and I'll do it for you. You could do that. No, thank you. <laughs> I can't do it. I've been stuck on it for years. I will require payment, of course. Of course, of course. The spoils for myself. <laughs> I'd love to be able to battle Sergei, but I've never got that far, but there we go. Is there anything anyone wants to add about Dark Legacy, really? I mean, it's... They, they emphasise his new power as well, through good movement, through his scenario. That's about it. Jumps oh. around a lot. Yeah, yeah, but jump around. I remember the trailer's treated a little bit, making us think... Chris and Wesker were going to meet again, but it works well in the context of the story that they don't, obviously. What I find interesting, right, is that obviously Sergei was Spencer's law enforcer and such, yet I believe that Spencer, whoever he was at this point, fully expected Wesker to kill Sergei and best him. He fully expected it because he, he, would, he would know that Wesker is one of his, you know, Wesker children. He would know his existence. Mm. And he would know that of what he's capable of and what powers he would have. So therefore, I guess putting Sergey in, in his way was a way of testing another test for his Wesker children. You know, for Wesker in particular, for Albert, it's a test. Sergey was. Well, Spencer knew, didn't he, after Raccoon City that Umbrella was finished. All he was bothered about was protecting the uh, source of the progenitor virus. He knew Umbrella couldn't recover, so he, I don't think he was particularly bothered what Sergei did with well, it. When he went to uh, kill off all the people that knew about the progenitor virus, going into RE5 territory here, I'm sorry, do you believe that he may have hired Sergei to undertake that? Possibly. I mean, well, Sergei was in charge of all the company operations following Raccoon City, wasn't he? So, like, I think maybe he would be the one who would oversee that. Spencer couldn't really do anything. He couldn't even go outside his front door, really. So I guess, you know, he, it stands to reason that 
you know, considering Sergei was his chief enforcer, he would go, right, well, these are the people I want killing off. And I imagine that, you know, Spencer trusted Sergei enough because of how fucking loyal he is. And he'd go, right, these are the bastards I want gunning down, rather, because they know my secrets. You go and do whatever's necessary to do that. So I think that he left Sergei in charge of making sure those people are dead. I mean, for all we know, Sergei probably did the job himself. I mean, maybe Nikolai was hired to do it. I mean, had a proven track record of killing Umbrella people, hasn't he? Yeah, I think that actually makes a lot of sense because I found it kind of surprising when I read that file in 5 and Sergei's name was not on that list. Like, he wasn't even implied. I think, and I would think that he would be one of those people who would be privy to those things if he was so loyal and so in the yeah. loop. I think that really... Ex- like that's a good explanation if they made a game about that i would love to play that where like you have mm-hmm. nikolai and sergey maybe hunk maybe uh, other agents like going around killing these people and like that would be an explanation for why he wasn't included in that it's a nice touch at the end as well how sergey knows he's being defeated but he still won't tell wesker where spencer is <laughs> takes the secret to his grave i like that too it's like you know uh Enough. Where is Spencer? Just ignores if, him, I guess. If you manage to draw that fight out long enough, Wesker says something like, I've got a date to keep or something. I was thinking that, like, um, I watched a video. I've tried several different walkthroughs of the fight to see how long you can draw out the conversation and how many different things you get. And the only thing I got was, after he asked where Spencer was, he said, again, reiterated his masochism. Oh, keep shooting me. I love it. Oh, I can take all the pain you can dish out. But I don't really remember Sergey saying anything about Spencer as if he just ignored the question. So really, I mean, I don't even think at that point he would have known where Spencer was, honestly. Like, he's not the type that, I mean, I, I think he did know where he was, but he's the type that would happily, considering that, you know, he loves pain, he would endure any torture or punishment and not even break, you know? I don't think he would have broken under any duress. Well, that was one thing the Umbrella Chronicles side A and side B novels got right, was they gave Sergei a really interesting backstory. And it explains all about how he embraced pain and, you know, why he loves being tortured and that sort of thing. That was the only good thing about them novels, really. There was a few good things about the novels, but they quickly went off the deep end. Sergei talking mind-to-mind with Nemesis. Yes, we weren't. And liquors and zombies, apparently. Oh, no, he directs zombies in someone's direction. Wesker uh, is not Charles Xavier. I would say I was somewhat disappointed in the end with the super secret scenario that you could unlock. <sighs> because I was so hoping it was something to look forward to as a kind of precursor to five or something. It's it, so nonsensical, isn't it? It's Rebecca, isn't it? I think it, well, it's supposed to be Rebecca. Well, it's her voice sample sped up, I think, when you die. And then when you complete it, you just crawl into the capsule and then it goes white. That's, that's su- literally all that su- happens. I suppose it could have been Jill. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> mm, moving on. Yeah, I, I don't know. Okay, um, anyone predict any other sequels to you, Umbrella Chronicles, whether we're not going to get a third or fourth one? Someone mentioned about Survivor. I can't remember who it was, but that, I think that would be fantastic if we did. I, obviously, I, I think it's highly unlikely now. You know, where else can they go? So, you know, with the older games, Survivor, Dead Aim's already, you know, kind of that style anyway, but not on the rails. So, um... Well, you could, whether or not you want to do a Resident Evil 4 section. Okay, what's everyone's favourite moments? Uh, Stars Tyrant, you've already mentioned probably what your favourite moment is, if you just want to repeat. Yeah, Rebecca and Richard together in the Spencer Mansion. Yeah. Batman? Uh, probably Death's Door with Ada. Uh, Newsbot? Just Umbrella's End. M. Greg? Dark Legacy. Uh, Mr. Spencer? I suppose that scene where Wesker and Sergei have their guns into each other. Oh, yeah, that's a good scene, yeah. That was kind of like pretty, kind of intense, sort of. 
No. Wish it was a bit longer, but you know. That's what most men say. George? I did enjoy the intensity when you had multiple hunters on screen during Umbrella Zen, but I'd have to say, like Sean, Rebecca and Richard in the mansion. Right. Everyone give a score out of 10 for this uh, Wii... Well, I say Wii exclusive it was, but not anymore. Wii game. George, what would you say out of 10? It's hard. Really, <laughs> as a game, I, should really, I shouldn't give it any, any more than 6 out of 10, but I'm kind of creeping towards 7 because it really just... I'm biased. You know, it, it covered areas from the game, the geography specifically, that I'm most interested in and have the most enthusiasm playing, uh, the Spencer Mansion and, 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 and the whole estate. So 6.5, I'll give it then. And it was fun in two-player. Is it the first multiplayer Resident Evil game? Local multiplayer? Yeah. I think it was, wasn't it? Because I have no friends. I've never played it multiplayer. Uh, it's really good two-player. Really good fun. Yeah. Uh, John, what do you give it out of 10? I'm going to give it a very, very... This is very probably going to be quite biased because you know I like my light gun shooters. I'm going to give it an 8. A very reasonable 8. You know, it was yeah, it was it was a good game. I thought, you know, it had like a few problems here and there, like voice acting and you know sound effects. I didn't really agree with, but for the most part, I mean, it's got it gave us Sergey as well. So yeah, and, yeah you've always been a fan. <laughs> Newsbot, what would you give it? If you'd asked me this when it came out, I probably would have said something like three. But now it's worked its way up to a seven. Oh, it's uh, it's fun. It's fun. The story is quite good, even though it does have a lot of problems throughout voice acting. The uh, animations are a bit botched, and there's a quite a there's quite a few weird glitches. I know that if you uh, get attacked by a zombie and have to counter it when you're next to a set of stairs, and your character happens to kick the zombie, that zombie will literally just swing straight up the stairs. Oh, really? It's very noticeable in the main hall of the mansion. Uh, M. Greg. Well, like. Like uh, Mr. Spencer, I'm probably going to be pretty biased in my opinion because it That's was your first my, game. Yes, it was my first game. I mean, I did see a little bit of um, Resident Evil 4 before that because like um, somebody had bought it and I played it for like maybe two seconds and um, then. But this is the first game that I got fairly immersed into, so like it formally introduced me to the story and it made Wesker my favorite character right off the bat. I mean, I wouldn't say he's my favorite character anymore. But he's one of them, and he's always been. And I personally prefer DC Douglas to Richard Wilde. I did like Sergey. I mean, um, they could have done more with him. They could have done more with some of the details in the game. Like, there were a few wasted opportunities, and, like, has already been touched upon. The voice acting and the graphics and certain things could have been done better. But overall, I'd say I'd give it an 8. Star's turn? Yeah, again, because I like a lot of light gun games because it was the series I love the most. Mm. And because of some story sections in it, strong 8. Wow, it's very high. And Batman? Uh, I'd give it a seven. It was it was okay for what it was. One thing I will mention though is files. I was disappointed. So many of the files were just recycled ones we'd already had. I thought they missed an opportunity. To... Oh yeah, a lot a lot of the files are literally just passages copy and pasted from archives. Mm. Yeah, I think there was a big missed opportunity there. We could have had new researchers' diaries, you know, things like that. I I'd probably agree with George. I'd say six and a half to a seven. You know, one of them. Mm. Good. Right. So we've had call-ins. The first one is from Vito. Umbrella Chronicles, the game that, in my opinion, was made solely to fix Resident Evil Force idiotic choice of destroying Umbrella at the first minute of the game. I really liked. Umbrella Chronicles. The gameplay, while simple, was actually quite fun and enjoyable. I really, really appreciate the opportunity to actually be able to aim at the things that I'm trying to shoot. 
right, Dark Side Chronicles? Anyway, the graphics, while not as good as Dark Side Chronicles, were actually not bad. I think they are the same as Resident Evil 4, or a little bit improved, I really don't know, but anyway, they were good. The story, on the other hand, it's good, but I really think they could have used more characters in the Umbrellas and scenario. Why not have Barry and Carlos teaming up with Jill and Chris? Why not have Nikolai being, uh, I don't know, second in command to Sergei and in that Russian, uh, what was it, plant? Uh, the file that you recovered explaining why Sergei let Umbrella experiment on Sergei's clones really gives you the tone that they were really great buddies. I found it really odd that Nikolai was absent in that scenario. Talking about Sergei, I really enjoyed when a certain character gives us more backstories on the creatures. I really enjoyed his inclusion. But speaking about characters, what about the character that Sergei was getting out of Raccoon City? That old man on, on the wheelchair. Who is he? I really think he's one of the guys that Spencer has on his notebook. Anyway, we probably won't see him again ever, but there's a possibility for a plot line. I, I don't know. Well, I think that's everything I want to say about Umbrella Chronicles. But wait, there's news on IGN about Resident Evil. Let's see what it says. Resident Evil will return to its roots. The most important thing in a Resident Evil game is to bring across that feeling of horror and fear. Well, at least they admitted. Let's see. Capcom has listened to fan feedback following Resident Evil 6 and knows that the series must return to its roots going forward. Well, that's good. Even mentioned the possibility of a reboot. A reboot. We should be able to start from scratch and reboot it. It will still be Resident Evil. We wouldn't lose the essential nature of what makes it a good game just by changing the characters. Changing the characters. Excuse me. What is that? What is that? I think he doesn't want a reboot, basically. (laughs) But what was that noise anyway? What was that? Uh, screaming, I think. That was him screaming. Was that actually him? Yes, I think so. I don't think it was. I think it was a a voice thing he played over it. That was the best call-in ever. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was unexpected. It just just died for a minute and then... Thank you, Vito. Oh. Always, always appreciated. Yeah, some good points there. I think a lot of it we discussed actually about having Barry and Carlos involved um, would have been nice. Nicola would have been fantastic, wouldn't it? But, um... uh, we have had another call in. This is from our Australian friend, El Veltro.
He's obviously listened to my Resident Evil 6 rant, so... <laughs> yeah, he does touch on a, the music is great, and the um, music track used in Beginnings is a fantastic piece of re- remix. Yeah, and no, I'd agree with that. He makes a good point. The music's very good throughout. Apart from that, he didn't tend to like it, did he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a fan of the old Russian Sergei. Thank you very much, guys, for your call-ins. The more the merrier. If you want to contribute, then feel free to do the same way. Email me. In fact, there's a message for anyone. If anyone wants to email me with MP3 call-ins, then please do so. And then you can be on the podcast uh, in, in the future. But do you want to? That's the eternal question. And we'll now move on to Neptune and Newsies. Bye, has a quiz. Their minds will be tested. I, I have an answer, but it's based on a thread that Welsh made. Experiments will be undertaken. I've been told by the boss that you have to be deducted a point. Fuck off. Great knowledge is needed. <laughs> I got massive knot out of five last time. And a new power will arise. Jesus Christ. Any question is that? Well, you said these questions weren't hard. Then the other might as well just have taken a what sandwich was I eating in 1984? The Highland Lights. George Trevor. The Batman. And Stars Tyrant. It's time for Neptune and Newsy's Biohazard Quiz! Hello and welcome to the quiz. Yay! It's the favourite part of the podcast. Everyone loves it. Everyone loves it. Let's have a quick recap on the scores. Batman currently in the lead on eight points. Joint second, it's George Trevor and Mr. Spencer with six. Ty on five. So you're not that far behind, Ty. M. Greg, you'll be uh, competing today. And of course, your score will be added to the start in our reasonably priced quiz. The current leaderboard is as follows. Uh, Ridley, Wanderer and Rombie are joint top with four points. Welsh, Smiley and Archelon on three. Uh, Syndra's on two and a half. Selfish Gene, Zombie Fred on one. Now, M. Greg, I assume you know the rules. Yes. Yes. And are you aware of the new Newsbot lifeline? Yes. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> sounded very serious. Yes. Very serious. Uh, a reminder that George and Mr. Spencer cannot use the Ask Newsbot lifeline because they have used it already. So, M. Greg, of course, you can use it at any point. Just uh, let me know once I've read the question if you plan on using it. So, if everyone can clear their desktop. And let's crack on question number one. Which BSAA member's call sign was Grinder? Sounds oh like God. a porn name. Mm. <laughs> There we go. Moving on to question number two. According to the original Biohazard, what was the code number for Chimera? Mm. Code name for Chimera. Oh, shit. I know the one for um, the Bandersnatch. Oh, fuck. Newsbot will be able to testify. I don't think they carried that on with the remake, did they? Number for Chimera. I think it's only the original. What was that, sorry? The original code number for Chimera. Don't say it. But yeah, I I don't think they carried that on in... um... I don't think they ever had one. No, I know there's a fan-made one where it says MA00. Oh, you... (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, oh, new question, please. Just, Come on. Just say, that, just say that again, but slower, please. <laughs> Nick, no, no. Nick I am disgusted at you, Nick. <laughs> new fan theories, oh my god. <laughs> so he watches the movies, right? And now he's getting his quiz material questions from the bloody Ori fan. Oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> I look, I look forward to question number key. three. Get uh, out. <laughs> Hold on. At what point was that fan made? Can I just say, any fans of the movie, get out now. Did that come from the Resident Evil wiki, Nick? And Nick, your question two, which is about Resident Evil Confidential, you know what you can do with that. No, it's you, not. It's on the you, slides of the... Of the it's not. It's fan made. We need a new question. Have you played the game? Yes. <laughs> I didn't think that was one, to be honest. Hold on a second. Yeah, won't it be on the slide? Someone did make a very convincing slide version of it, but it wasn't in the game. <laughs> I'm going to Google it. Chimera slide. Christ. <laughs> uh, I'll hand in my resignation. MA00, because MA is the um, the Hunters, isn't it? It's the Hunters and the Cerberus, yeah. You've got to think on the spot now. You've got to think of another question. Yeah, never fear. I have I have backups. Question number two. There, a new one. Question. Okay, this is yeah. question from Yoke. In what chapter of Umbrella End, or Umbrella's End, do you battle in the Hexagon Maze? No, I'm not going to do that. I was, I, I just realised something. I had, like, on my desk, the Umbrella Chronicle strategy guide. <laughs> I was like, oh, I could. I could. Question number three. I am the worker on Rockford Island. It's... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's bonfire night. What ridiculous thing have I just remembered? That's a great question. Say that again. I am the worker on Rockford Island. It's bonfire night. What ridiculous thing have I just remembered? That's now... a really good question. I like that one. <laughs> I don't know the answer. That reminds you of that quiz night on uh, Phoenix Nights for the free beer. And it's like, my balls are black and blue. I just hit them with a mallet. What game am I playing? <laughs> <laughs> like, his balls are what? Oh. No, one, no one thinking of needing to ask news. But... Question number four. In Wesker's extra report, the Philosopher's Stone should be in the hands of a truly worthy what? Question number five, which has come through from El Veltro. I think this is quite simple. What is Umbrella's employee pledge? Oh, not the company motto. Yeah, yeah. What is the company motto, yeah? Oh, I know that. That's from Umbrella Chronicles, right? Mm. Zero. Oh, is that, I've got it. Oh, yeah. No one wanted to ask Newsbot this round. Yeah, I'll ask Newsbot. Ask Newsbot. <laughs> I'm sorry, there's two mottos, wasn't there? There's one that's sort of like in the inner company, the employee motto. Stop giving them clues, John. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, M. Greg, did you want to ask a new spot at all? Any questions apart from number five? Uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, he's confident, he's confident. Wow. Let's see how confident. Join us after this one, we'll run through the arc. I'm going to do a quiz for you in Newsbot one day. <laughs> <laughs> It's here! Now that's what I call Project Umbrella. Featuring all your favourite stars of the podcast. With number one comments from Batman, Newsbot, George Trevor, Stars Tyrant, Mr. Spencer, and Neptune. Available to download now from all good retailers. Order now and receive a complimentary bonus CD. Now that's what I call podcast themes, with all the hits as heard on your favourite Biohazard theme podcast, featuring...
Also includes Sometimes you wanna go where everybody knows your name And they're always magic When winter twist the night Good forget. Order both unforgettable albums now and receive the free crumbs of Mr. Spencer's famous burnt pizza. I've got oh, fuck. Time, oven, pizza. <laughs> 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 fucking kitchen is on fire. There's just smoke coming from the oven. I can't breathe. Ah. Oh. Because I just fucked my oven. Order now on 0800 Give Newsbot Money. Right, so let's have a look at our quickly rehashed quiz answers. So, question number one was, which BSAA member's call sign was Grinder? Who knew this one? Let's start off with Batman. Did you know this? I'm going to say Keith Lumley. Keith Lumley. Oh, yes, okay. Uh, George, did you know this one? Yes, Joanna's Joanna's son, Keith. Keith Lumley. (laughs) Right, okay. Stars Tyrant? Keith. Put Keith as well. I hope you're right, Mr. Spencer. I put Quint Ketchum, but I also realise that he refers to himself as Jackass, but I can't really see Jackass being a call side, so I'm going to stick with Quint here. Quint Ketchum. And M. Greg, what did you put? Kirk Matheson. Kirk Matheson. The answer is Keith Lumley. Ah. Well done. So points for Batman, George Trevor and Stars Tyrant. Well done. Unlucky everyone else, unlucky. So question number two is, in what chapter of Umbrella's End do you battle in the hexagon maze? M. Greg, did you know this one? Chapter three. Chapter three. Batman? Chapter three, and Dark Legacy 2 as well. Okay, Mr. Spencer? I put two as in, like, you know, Dark Legacy 2. That wasn't the question. Oh, I put two anyway. Just put two. <laughs> George? I'm not really sure. I was a bit... Put chapter one. If I understand the... I don't think I really understood the question correctly, but if I do chapter one is what I'm saying... Okay, and Star Siren? Chapter 3. It is chapter 3. I will say... It is. I will say to Yoke, the actual original question, the original question is something like, he's trying to trick you all out. He's all trying to trick you all out. In chapter 2 of the Hexagon Maze, how do you escape or something? And he goes, you don't because it's in chapter 3 or something. I thought it was a bit naughty. Oh, that's naughty. Well, I thought so. That's why Yoke, I took the uh, liberty to change it. And then the other question was... What path do you have to take to get out of the hexagon maze? The answer being left, straight, straight, left, right, straight, left. No, anyway, because every way leads out. Oh, no, yeah, sorry, to get to the armory, that was the question, yeah. So whether you're known to go left, straight, left, straight, left, or whatever, I, I don't anyway. So moving on to question number three was, I'm a worker on Rockford Island, it's bonfire night. What ridiculous thing have I just remembered? Did you know this one, M. Greg? No, I did not. No. Star Siren? I have no idea. It's totally lost on me, I'm afraid. Mr. Spencer? He left the oven on. <laughs> George? 
I do think I know because you you've tried to throw us by saying ridiculous, but it's not a ridiculous thing. But I think he says that, doesn't he? He remembers that either he's seen, I can't remember either he's seen or someone else in the cell block has told him about Nosferatu. Oh, that there's oh, this like Nosferatu figure that's like deep down in the dungeons. Okay. And I think he's just saying, I think he at the end says, oh, that's just a ridiculous tale or something. Batman? Yeah, I think George is right. Because the work at the Antarctic lab, haven't they? And they've heard noises and someone says someone's been locked in the basement for the last 15 years or something. Worker's diary. Yes, that's correct. That is correct. I know I've got it right. Whenever John agrees with me, I know I've got it right. His <laughs> <laughs> points to Batman and George. I try to throw you off a bit by saying remember, because there's nothing remembered about it, but because it was um, bonfire. Has he seen it or is, it, is he remembering? No, he's not remembering at all. It's a bit of a uh, red Sorry. herring with the word remember. He's just told it. He's told it by someone else, isn't he? Yeah. I did remember because obviously it's the 5th of November. So. <laughs> That's a good question, Nick. Oh, yeah, nice. I like the way you phrased it. It was very funny. Thank you. You've, you've redeemed yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I can't find this slide Until anywhere. next week when he brings up Paul Anderson or... Nasty Perry. So question number four was in Wesker's extra report. The Philosopher's Stone should be in the hands of a truly worthy what? No one asked for news bot on this one. So um, I will start with Mr. Spencer. God. God. Okay. Uh, Stars Tyrant. God. That's all I could think of. George Trevor. I don't know. Opponent? No. You're talking about himself. But I don't remember it as being God. So I'm not allowed to guess and say God because the other two said God, am I? Well, you should have thought about it earlier, but go on. Yeah, no, I'm not, because I didn't have an answer. No, I don't know. No, don't know? No. Nothing. Batman? Uh, I put, I think it's alchemist, I think. Uh, oh, as in a chemist type person. Uh, M. Greg? God. You put God. Batman, amazing. Well done, alchemist. Son of a bitch. <laughs> oh. It's crackers, isn't it? Very it's good. Fire. And then finally, question number five. I got this one, though. I got this one. Was the question from <clears throat> El Veltro last minute, what is Umbrella's employee pledge? Can I guess? Well, you I know I've asked him. I know, but I want to see if, if I did know it. Well, I'll, well, mm. well no, we all... I'll, I'll, still, I'll still use my free news bot. I just thought it would be out of interest. I'll kick myself if that's the case. Well, you, you still have the chance to revoke it, I suppose. If you think you know the answer, you can take back your... Yeah, turn him down, Sean. He knows nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually don't know it. I'm, I'm looking at my answer and I don't know it because I know there's three stages to it and I've only got two. Okay, we'll come to you last then, Sean. M. Greg, did you know this one? Umbrella's mission statement had always been preserving the health of the people. Ah, oh, okay. that's that, something different. So that's something different because I've written what, down the company what, motto. What have you got, George? Well, I, I only know it because it, it wasn't particularly original, but I just used it as the rules for the forum at Crimson Head Elder. So I just I've typed it out quite a few times. Um, <laughs> it's just James Marcus's little speech that he does when you you know when Rebecca sees his portrait and there's the flashback of the leech mimicry Marcus. Mm. Obedience breeds discipline. Discipline breeds unity. Unity breeds power. Power is life. Batman. Uh, yeah, but I think that's just the training facility pledge. So I'm going to say preserving the health of the people. That's the official company motto. And there's another one in Umbrella Chronicles that says nothing is impossible, but preserving the health of the people. Right. Okay. Uh, Mr. Spencer. Well, see, I asked about this because I mentioned before there was like <laughs> a couple of ones, right? And there's one in Umbrella Chronicles, and then you said, no, no, it's the one in Ori Zero. And I thought, okay, yeah. then that, well, yeah. in that case, it's discipline breeds unity, breeds power, power is life. You know what George Trevor said, basically. 
basically, you know. So don't just read it off Wikipedia. <laughs> I remember it. Or oh, did you say the one in Resident Evil Zero? Yeah, yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, you got. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the one George said that. I don't know. Well, what did I say? What is it then? Hold on, we've got now turn to Ty, who's asked Newswatch. So Newswatch, what's your answer? (sighs) Okay. Um, for one thing, it's not a company motto. It's actually the training facility guidelines. And it's loyalty births obedience. Obedience births discipline. Discipline becomes power. Power is the source of all. Right. Is that the rather official? Yeah, that's the Japanese one. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Making my life hard. But no. (laughs) No, no. We've got we've got got to go with the in-game ignorant one. This is where I got confused because you said company pledge, and it's this is the training facility guidelines. I think in the game he calls it the company motto. I think. Yeah, in the English version, he yeah, calls it, it company it's motto. Not, it's obviously not the company motto, though. Yeah, exactly. That's just another really bad translation. Basically, Nick's not researched his questions again. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it wasn't on the film, so he was, he was struggling. You know what I think? I've got a question for everyone here. I'll be Quizmaster once. Don't you think Nick should be revoked, you know, his privilege <laughs> to be revoked? Yeah. To be fair, this is the one I had to quickly bring up. Right, the answer I had from El Voltro was the employee pledge. So the obedience breeds discipline. Disciplines breeds unity. Unity breeds power. That's the answer then. I think only one of us said that. I think that was me. I That's noticed me, that the, the English yeah. translation is a lot less dictatory. He mentions unity, but it's meant to be obedience. Well, I think here George gets the point. Spencer gets the point. Ty gets the point. <laughs> Everyone but Batman. I like, I like, I like the way this is going. Like, we've been here before, haven't we? <laughs> Batman said power is light or whatever. One. M. Greg unfortunately didn't get that right. <laughs> but well, he, he's the guest. You know, he, he's always been at that level. I think those guys were kind of right, weren't they? Because that is Umbrella's kind of. <laughs> as you, well, I'm going to talk to you out of giving me points. Just for, yeah, I forget it. I've got the giggles now, so stop me not. Why didn't you just say what does Marcus's recording say in Resident <laughs> Evil Zero? Because that's yeah. not what Alvaro said to me. <laughs> it was it was a confusing question because we know what the company motto is as well. It's the preserving the help of the people one. What yeah. is Umbrella's employee pledge? Anyway, so that means at the end of um, our quiz, joint winners uh, with four out of five, it's Batman and George Trevor. Uh, in third place, Stars Tyrant with three, Mr. Spencer with two, and M. Greg only getting the solitary one point, though. That's cool. I, I was just happy to play. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see what that's done to the leaderboards. Batman is now on 12 points. George Trevor is on 10 points. Mr. Spencer's on 8 points. And Stars Tyrant also on eight points, so very, very tight, very tight. Excellent, excellent. And Embrig, you. J- Embrig, <laughs> 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 you joined Selfish Demon Zombie Fred with a solitary point. I must say, Nick, kudos to this uh, Chimera question because I've been searching for the last fifteen minutes and there's nowhere online I can find a mention it's of bollocks. this Chimera. Code. I know, I know, I have the picture somewhere. Well, what was the code again? MA00? Yeah. That's like the Hunters, isn't it? The MA is uh, is the prefix for Hunters. It's prefix for any mammalian. Mammalia. BOW. So when, in the original game, when you go through that slide, which ends up with, you know, a picture of Wesker with the researchers, there's a Chimera on that slide, isn't there? No, there isn't. Cerberus, Tyrant, and... uh, And Neptune. Neptune's on the slide. Cerberus, Hunter, Neptune, and Tyrant are the only ones on the slide. have, Have they all got codes on the slides? Yeah. Neptune's yeah. F103, isn't it? I do apologize. I didn't know it was fan made. Wow. I wouldn't have put it in if I knew it was fan made. Anyway. <laughs> join <laughs> researcher, fuck's sake. Join us next time for another podcast. Let's hope that my line of questioning's a bit better.
get that junior encyclopedia Resident Evil glitch <laughs> on. <laughs> you know what? Nick, you know who Nick reminds me of? The Ladybird Book of Biohazard. <laughs> you know what? This is just like this is just like Red Dwarf, and Nick is Holly from Red Dwarf. You know, he gets all his knowledge from a junior encyclopedia thing. Just comes on, all right, dudes. What's the fictional city called in Resident Evil Two? <laughs> <laughs> Have a think. What's the main character in Resident Evil 2? I'm not that bad. I do know a lot about Resident Evil. Just... Yeah, the movies. Anyway, moving swiftly on. That does conclude our podcast for this evening. Next, we're going to be finally dissecting Resident Evil 3. Nemesis, or Biohazard, The Last oh. Escape, however you want to call it. Uh, I know there's been a bit of interest in this one because it's been uh, long in the waiting. And uh, yeah, so we should be looking through that game. Originally planned for PlayStation 2, moved on to PlayStation. That went through lots of incarnations as well, didn't it? Um, with original stories being planned for Dead Aim and things like that. So should be good, should be good. We'll have a look, long uh, long discussion over that. We've got that to look forward to. So unless anyone else, anyone wants to raise any other quick points before we leave? Have we discussed 1.5 yet? Yes, we have. Yes, we have. <laughs> <laughs> and whose side are you on? Me? Yeah. I've been quite oblivious to all the arguments. I don't want to talk to you until I know what side you're on. <laughs> <laughs> Can I sit on the... Um proverbial fence. Well, on that note, I think it's time to end this podcast. It's um, It's been an adventure. So, it's uh, goodbye from me, Neptune. Uh, goodbye from me, Batman. Zombie! It's goodbye from me, George Trevor. It's goodbye from me, Newsbot. And it's goodbye from me, Mr. Spencer. Take care, dudes. Zombies! <laughs> Metamorphosis those into living death. I think your fan was me talking. If you don't let me finish, I will pull you to the brink of annihilation. And it's goodbye from me, Star's Tyrant. We'll meet again before this drama unfolds. This drama is concluded. Hmm. (laughs) You have to have the depth in the voice. Excellent deduction, John. It's goodbye. <laughs> yes, I find that rather. Mm. It's Kenneth Williams now. It's like, mmm, Yes. I think that Kenneth Williams should have, if he was alive, should have voiced Wesker in Umbrella Chronicles. Can you imagine him voicing Wesker? It's like, oh, Chris. Let's go back from the end, I see you are still resolved to go down with the ship, Colonel. Chris, Jill, mm. I hope you two survive long enough for us to have a tear-filled reunion. <laughs> Chris, it seems our fates are forever intertwined. <laughs> Shove umbrella on one disc. This should come in handy. Charmed. The spoils for myself. I've got a date to keep or something. Enough. Where is Spencer? The script is bollocks in this game. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>